0: Hi, hier ist Flo vom Sprechstunde-Podcast. Bei uns findet ihr sämtliche Themen, die die Welt bewegen. Dieser fantastische Podcast hier wird ihr präsentiert von Nike.
1: Nike hat sich mit der
0: aktuellen Find Your Fast-Kampagne in den Kopf gesetzt, genau dich noch schneller zu machen, noch ausdauernder, noch sicherer. Mit Find Your Fast ist die Zeit für einfach nur irgendwelche Laufschuhe endgültig vorbei. Du bist schließlich auch nicht einfach nur irgendein Sportler. Lass dich von Nike unterstützen und mach zukünftig jeden Lauf zu genau deinem besten Lauf.
2: Welcome to the Chelsea fancast, fuelled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that is still hungover from Saturday. I may just be speaking for myself there, but hey. Now, a somewhat mixed day at the bridge on Saturday, where the before and after was much better than the 90 minutes of football. Uh, Clearly, Pep and City were on a mission not to make it four defeats in a row to Chelsea, and as a consequence, outplayed Chelsea by some way. With their aggressive high press, Chelsea were unable to get out of their own half. That said, I think we were good enough for a draw, even if doing that at home is somewhat unedifying. City scored from a somewhat fluky goal and then Chelsea took the game to City rather belatedly, but City were as good at defending as they had been stifling Chelsea. All in all, a disappointing game, but the one highlight uh, was Ruben Loftus-Cheek's cameo. Could he be the answer to Chelsea's obvious lack of creativity in midfield, or did we just simply miss Mason Mount? At the end of the day, while disappointing to lose to City, this loss will not decide the title race, or indeed the season. And one fact that I can give you that is indisputable, and the title of this show is Pep is still bald. The Chelsea fancast number 839. Now, uh, my, uh, well, I mean, I, I, I now know, I mean, you know, talking of football, you know, we all get kind of promoted or relegated. I've certainly been relegated. I'm no longer the star of the Chelsea fancast because the star of the Chelsea fancast, courtesy of his Chelsea fan bites, is, of course, now none other than the one and only, the uh, indefatigable, undisputable king of the two-minute match summary, Mr. Jonathan Kidd.
0: That's all I can do now, Chidge. That's it. I'm just in two minute mode <laughs> now. So you know, you'll always, you'll always be the, uh, the, the king. You'll always be the man in charge. And I once again, I have to bow down to the Greek Dan Silver, who was he who came up with the idea of the fan bite, and we had a go at doing twenty minutes, and I was shit. So it was really interesting how <laughs> I'm good at doing two minutes, but I'm not good at doing anything else. You know but, what? Uh, I, I, yeah.
2: I said to Paul McAvoy, a lovely bloke from Dublin, who I met at the stall on Saturday. And he was raving about your fan bites. And I said, yeah, mate, he's brilliant, isn't it? Two minutes. But why can't he do that on the fan cast? Exactly. <laughs> exactly.
0: Exactly. I agree. I agree. Oh, great, to right? show. great to be on the show with, uh, with um lovely couple of guests, as always. So, well done. And they are? And they are. Oh, oh there's the, uh, the, um, the excellent... Uh, um, the knowledge that is dan silver who is just um goes from strength to strength with his ability to uh, to talk about the team put me to shame in our um 20 minute chat
3: oh, um never do that jk oh, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. i've always respect my elders and you know <laughs> yeah that's what it is it's the yes yeah <laughs> that's the way what i get away with is being very old yeah yeah and of course the um the wit, the dry wit, the uh, the knowledge, the computer knowledge, as we were discussing early, the 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 general, um, uh, um, how can I put this, the 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 man who is just quietly assessing what is going on and then delivering a a, a bon mot, as they say in France. It's the great Martin
1: Wickham. Cheers. And that's the only French you'll get off of me tonight. <laughs> yes,
0: um, I'm. Means wonder- good word. Means good <laughs> word, Martin.
2: I'm wondering if we're all a bit hungover, Martin. It's the the, the least energetic intro to a fan fancast I think we've all done for a long time.
0: I know that I'm hungover. Um, it's actually I'm emotionally hungover, Chief. I'm emotionally now. I'm emotionally dented by the performance.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm not hungover, but I've well, I seem to have had one of those colds that's going around. Where mm. because everyone's been locked away for eighteen months, it's absolutely done 10 rounds of my immune system so i'm still getting over the the last of that unfortunately
2: well i i love the serendipity of the random chelsea fancast scheduling that means that uh certainly martin and dan who uh i was drinking with from at least three o'clock until eight o'clock in the evening on saturday and who are therefore largely responsible for my hangover i just think it's wonderful yeah, well, that you we- happen to be on
1: yeah, we held your mouth open and poured it into you. Yeah, you really. did, and you and, you, and yeah. you resisted at all. You resisted at all well, times. Well, I
2: mean, you know, the story behind that. Which, you know, I won't bore anybody who's listening more than this. But the lovely Brian Wolfe from Chelsea, Chicago, was over, been over for a week or so, and uh, the last time I saw Brian was after the Spurs match, when him and Dan, amongst other reprobates, basically ensured that I missed three trains by forcing Guinness on me which uh, was quite funny. And uh, Brian wanted a rematch. So I was determined to, shall we say, hold my own. And Brian actually was weakening well early into the afternoon, as he, as I recall. Um, but I think we decided it was an honourable draw. And I did very, very well until I started to get onto the train when I suddenly realised absolutely how battered I was. How on earth I got home, I don't know. But anyway, that's enough of us. Otherwise, they, they'll start calling us alcoholic yadas. They would, of course, be right, but that's not the point. Uh, anyway, um... Yeah, really really looking forward to tonight. We've got Dan and Martin and of course JK on board tonight and on the show tonight. Uh, we'll ask, were Chelsea poor or City very good? Is a lack of creativity in midfield the key problem and could Loftus' cheek be the answer? In part two, we ask if the referee was a factor. I'm sure I've spelt wanker wrong there, but maybe we'll discuss that. Uh, would a draw have been a fair result? And while we worry about the injuries, we applaud the defence for standing out yet again. And in part sure three, it
0: was, wasn't it factor? Yeah, than factor. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah indeed. Yeah, I like that. No. Uh, anyway, in part three, we have the results of this week's fannies for the city match. In fact, if you go to Twitter now, you will find in our Twitter feed um the uh the, the polls in which you can vote. So if you want to vote for the Guinness moment, salary moment, and man of the match, you can go to Twitter and do it now. It will shut at eight o'clock. So you've got a little bit of time to do that. uh We've got a couple of great emails to read out and in part four we're gonna look ahead to Wednesday night's Champions League match away to Juventus. So there we go. So the pack show as always. um And of course don't forget you can listen to the show every Monday uh, at seven pm by going to mixler which is mixlr.com forward slash chelsea high from fancast where of course you can join in all the chat with the lovely people there and there's loads of them there tonight. Brian Justman's in there, Bob Uzray, uh English Dan, uh Pierre Blue up north, uh oh no it's uh it's um it's Jonathan. How lovely to see you there. There we go. Uh Mr Stick, uh Pulisic's boyfriend I believe. And uh oh Chris M's in and Chris Chris, lovely to see you. I, I gather from reading a bit earlier that you are suffering from COVID or were suffering from COVID. I'm delighted to hear you've recovered. Uh, but how, how rough that must have been. I, I do sympathise with you. So there we go. It's a good crowd of Mixler, as there always is. Do come and join them on a Monday night. On that point, uh, I really ought to apologise for uh, the enormous cock-up that was last week. Um, I, I was off to see the specials on Friday, which was very good, by the way. And um, we planned, therefore, to do the Friday night preview show on a Thursday night when a great show lined up. Adam Newsom was ready. JK and I were ready. We had David Walker from uh, Red But Never Red, who's a great guest, as we all know. And he was desperately wanting to come on uh, the show and uh, call Rudiger the C-word for his assault on Kevin De Bruyne in the Champions League final. And I'd given him written permission to do just that. And uh, there we go. We all got there for eight o'clock and bloody Zoom wouldn't work. I couldn't connect to Zoom for life nor money. And then my computer started crashing and saying piss off, basically. So we were all stuffed. So there's not, not, not nothing I could do. It was out of my control. But I'm very very sorry to disappoint all of you who turned up or who were looking forward to that show. But never mind. Sometimes shit happens, as they say. Right. Um, of course, we're at Chelsea Fancast on all the social media. So if you want to get in touch with us there, you know what to do. We will be back in a minute to uh, talk about the City game. AHHHHH <laughs> There we go. Um, yeah, it's funny. A funny Saturday, really. Um, I mean, I, I was. I, I thought we. Uh, I thought we kind of. Uh, I thought we kind of got the team pretty much spot on. Actually, what we would have done had we done the show on Thursday. I mean, the first question, J.K. I mean, I'm going to read you this. This was from Jonathan Norcroft in the Telegraph, um, and I'll give you a bit of background about it because I've I, I talked to a lot of you lot in the pub. Martin will certainly remember this. But I heard everybody, not necessarily people in the pub, but I heard a lot of people moaning, saying, oh, we were really shit, we were really shit, we were awful. And I really didn't think that. I thought actually City were bloody excellent. But this, I thought, was a brilliant quote that pretty much captures everything that happened, really. And it's, uh, given that Tuchel had won his three previous games versus City by defending and counterattacking... It is not that the tactic in itself was wrong. The fault was taking it too far. Only after introducing Kai Havertz and Ruben Loftus-Cheek did Tuchel uh, balance defending and attacking adequately and get his team up the pitch enough to support his strikers. But the change of emphasis came too late. But, JK, were we poor, poor, or were City rather good on Saturday?
0: I thought it was a combination of the two, Chidge. I thought we were um, uh, inadequate in our ability at getting the ball... Up front, I didn't understand why it took them so long. It took Mondi so long to take a long free kick. They kept playing it out from the back all the time. And because their pressing was so fabulous, um, we, we were just stifled completely. But I still thought that you could have just stretched it because when you do the press, you've got to spend all your time um, leaving defensive holes because you're pressing so far up the pitch. So uh, it just needs a couple of decent boots down the pitch and um, and with anybody with any speed is actually going to get there in front and put a, put pressure on as happened with um, with Werner on a couple of occasions and, and he's quick enough to deal with it. But um, um, we seem to be a bit um, just under the cosh too much to actually think properly. I mean, they did play magnificently, but I just felt that all we needed was a couple of moments to have escaped from the, the strangulation that was going on and they wouldn't have been so keen on getting that far forward. And I thought we could surely have won uh, of one of surely have scored on the break at least a couple of times just by, you know, in the end, it's just playing the long ball and running after it because they can't cover all of that defensive, all that expanse. So, um, uh, but they were phenomenal. They, he, he, I think it was the match of the day said Rodri was great. Right. I thought Silva was completely magnificent and uh, and skillful and ran the game. But they snuffed everything out. Well, my my major despair about it was they made um, the, the players who we have suspicions about in that situation um, be, look completely inadequate. So Alonso... Um, not having an opportunity to get into his fa- his favourite position to have a shot. No, they, they pinned him
2: back. They pinned, they pinned him back, him back, back game, completely, yeah.
0: completely. And, and the same with Jorginho, who wasn't really on top of it. And we discovered that Kante wasn't actually fit enough to be playing. I think he had a virus or something. Yeah. But um, I think, in uh, should he have changed it earlier? We all thought that um, Havertz would come on for Werner because I thought Werner had a terrible game. Um, but in the end... Um, I thought they were they were absolutely excellent, but there should have been ways to deal with it. And we defended wonderfully for the for that period. I and mean, it was a shame that they actually scored with that awful scuffed shot because you knew then it was going to be difficult unless we changed the way of playing, which we did. So we we but I felt we reacted in the wrong way. We should have reacted earlier to the way they were playing and seemed incapable of getting out of that that rut.
2: Mm, Dan, you were keen to come in then.
3: Yeah, I just I just thought really, really impressive City. They pressed us, they suffocated us. And our biggest issue was such a huge gap between sort of our midfield and the attack. So if the ball was knocked up long to Lukaku, no one's there to pick up second balls. And invariably they seem to go long to Timo, not to Lukaku quite a few times. Mendy was take the ball long to Werner, where she in down the middle to Lukaku. But listen, you've got to put your hands up. City were really good side, look completely isolated our front too. They're really good game. You know, don't recall their keeper making any saves. Um the referee, which you mentioned yeah. earlier, I don't think he did oh, much. We'll talk about we have a single minutes. shot, Dan. We didn't have yeah. a single yeah. shot. I
0: one. Think, so. yeah. yeah, I
3: just, yeah. yeah, I just think, as you say, Rodri just completely controlled that defence department field, and still we're just making runs from deep and just well. Mendy, I kept in the game, two or three really good saves. Mm. And yeah, but yeah, well, sometimes you've got to admit, you know, City got 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 the number on us this
2: time. I think they did, actually. I mean, I'll talk about that at the end of part two to kind of summarise the whole thing up, really. But, Martin, I I, I thought, just to kind of pick up on what these two boys were saying, and actually, I think Tuchel made this point very, very well in his, I think, excellent presser afterwards, as he often is. But he, he, he said that they... They lacked the uh, kind of confidence or, or the or the really the the motivation to take risks, and I think the point he was trying to make was if you got as Jonathan was saying, if you have got a side that's going to press that aggressively, which they did, I mean two three men on on our, on our defence and our penalty area sometimes, you do have to take a risk to 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 get out of it, and and they they seem to be unwilling to do that. Do you think that was an, an element in it?
1: Yeah, and I think that some of that may be down to the. time of the season there's a big difference between playing a a Champions League final and taking a risk on playing over the top and five, six games into a league season we've got loads of time to make up the difference in points I mean I was disappointed by the game on Saturday but I tried not to get too downbeat about it I I personally think the difference was Mason Mount The, the link between midfield and attack wasn't there And we ended up with, you know, Gunnar Kante, God bless him. But when he's the one trying to make the defence splitting pass from midfield, we've got a problem. Mm. He can do a lot of things and he can certainly try that. But with the best win in the world, that's not the strongest part of his game. But that's what he was trying to do. Um, Yeah, so I think think there was a little bit of a, they were a little bit more shy than they were for the, you know, the FA Cup semi-final, the Champions League final, even the, you know, the, the pointless league game, in May, where we, you know, snuck a two-one win by accident, but <laughs> um, um, and I think the situation of the game on Saturday was markedly different to the situation of the others. Yeah, so
2: definitely, definitely, Dan, you're on mute, mate.
3: I mean, Liverpool, Liverpool dropping points, United dropping points was great. I think you know, if you asked us after what seven games in now, eight games in, we'd be very happy where we are. But yeah. you know, we got to Liverpool very hard away game gone to Spurs and one gone to Arsenal. won. I think where we are is is, is a great start to the season.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, indeed and but I hate losing, mate. But I think oh. I think Martin Martin picks up on a really good point there, you know, because and actually Tuchel got asked this in the presser. I mean, you know, did he get the tactics wrong? Did he get the selection formation wrong? And he was well I'm not really sure, maybe I'll look at myself. But the reality is he said in the presser afterwards funny enough that they went 5-3-2, not 3 uh five two, which is what we, we might have thought. But the reality is, you know, Martin's absolutely spot on. You know, there is a there is an issue that we we all know about. We've spoken about it for a, a long time. And it does get exposed when you play against a really, really good side. And City, I think, are a really, really good side, who are also hugely motivated. But you know, Kante, um, Kovacic and Jorginho are basically defensive midfielders. And I think to add to that issue um, I think Jorginho in particular, under that kind of pressure, became quite risk-averse and moved the ball far too slowly. I mean, I was I mean, I had a bit of a weird experience. I'm sure I talked to you a couple of you boys about this afterwards. I actually got up out of my seat uh for the second half and stood at the back in a little kind of platform behind where I sit. Because I needed I was really angry and I was particularly angry with the referee, but uh I, I, I really got steamed up and got well into it. Uh, which I quite enjoyed. But, I mean, it was so obvious that uh, the number of times they could have tried to go forward, and, you know, as I was saying, they're a bit risk-averse, and it went backwards, it was incredibly frustrating. When I mean, what they needed to do to beat that press was to move it a lot quicker. But the, but the issue really, JK, I think, is, you know, the same old problem they've had for a while, which got ruthlessly exposed. There was no link between defence... An attack, and we don't—we ha- weren't playing creative midfield players or a midfielder who could do that. And that's—I think—that didn't help us break the press. I have to say.
0: I mean- well, I think, as Dan said, I think the uh, uh, Ivy Mason Mount playing was yeah. a was a huge blow, and also Reese getting injured.
2: Yes, absolutely.
0: Um, uh, because they're both in positions where they could um, uh, influence that connection with the uh, with up front. Um, but I, I, I got slightly worried about just tactically how he was dealing with it. I, 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 I fear once again, I, I, I keep going on about this, that, that they are slightly, they've become slightly Lukaku orientated through having them up front, um, uh, which is rightly so. And I think he'll score lots of goals, but I wonder whether having the false nine makes the whole setup slightly more creative. And I think that would be with Havertz. And I think, um, Havertz should have played from the beginning, and uh, and possibly not Lukaku. I mean, there was a theory I was reading about on the on Twitter today that you don't play Lukaku for this kind of elite game. You bring him on as a as a kind of shock. Uh, it was twenty minutes to go, shock centre centre forward because um, uh, he he possibly is uh, slightly flat track. You know, we've been talking about that before. He did on a couple of occasions. He attempted to control the ball, and because he had three men round him, he clearly was was upset by it. And the ball bounced off his leg, and you thought, "Hang on, you're not supposed to be controlling the ball better than this. You're a hundred million, um, hundred million centre forward."
2: Oh, uh, Coming, I, I I I hear what you're saying, but I, I'm I'm not going to blame him in, entirely because I mean, if you've got if you're playing it, that the way that that game worked out, you know, City pressed very very high. We had effectively. You know, well, we had Lukaku and a winger, Werner, up front. So, you know, he had two very, very good... I mean, Laporte and Diaz played very, very well. They were up his ass the whole game. So he had absolutely no space. But I don't think he had any help either because Werner's runs were of the headless chicken variety as a, as a surprise. And, uh, and 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 as I said, nobody was linking up from from midfield to attack either to join it. I mean, Tuchel actually said, "If I can find this, come back to me, and I'll and I'll you you carry on, and I'll find this quote." Oh, here we go. I was go. going I, to say, uh, it, midfield aren't
0: they are not that far away. That situation, it's not as if there's an acre of space between them. They're they're. Yes, they've still got the ball. They just didn't use it very well. They didn't play either of them in. Yeah, but I yeah. think we've I think part of the reason being, you've given me this opportunity to speak about it, I think we should, you know, we how long before we actually come to the conclusion that, that Werner just does not work. Regardless, he cannot just be given an opportunity, the excuse being he creates great space and is quick. You know, I, but he, it, but uh, he
2: did. That's the point. He didn't for Lukaku because if you if you what you should have had again was more you know two almost kind of one behind the other or side by side, so that Lukaku attracts players like flies round shit and that gives space to the other guy to exploit. But it didn't work. Listen to what Tuchel said, Jake. I found the quote. He says, "I don't think it's necessary to talk about Romelu's struggle today. When we reached Romelu, the attack was already half over, as there was not enough people, not enough belief and connection." So the team was the problem, not the individual. So to translate what he's saying was exactly that. There was nobody close enough to him to either help him or or exploit any space that he had created by having the defenders on him. And I fell for him with that. But I agree, it, you know what he's saying, nobody was getting up the pitch in support because you only had Lukaku and Werner. Nobody from the midfield was getting up. They had Alonso and then Aspie pinned back. So it was... I mean, you know, they got it tactically spot on, I have to say. However, however, people, I've got to say, I thought it was very interesting. I mean, obviously, we went we went down, didn't we, Martin, to a spawny... I thought it was quite a fluky goal, really. I mean, you know, to be really honest. And actually, I felt we'd contain them quite well as well. Oh, but, we were brilliant, Chidge. We yeah. defended brilliantly. No, I, exactly. Oh, I mean, the defence were absolutely superb. So it was a really yeah. unfortunate yeah. goal to give away. But um, when we did go behind, you know, we did change, we upped it a bit. But I thought, I thought Ruben Loftus cheek. Now I, I didn't see, you know, I saw the Villa game on a stream, and the next day I saw everybody, and it was a bit of a weird stream because I had, I was watching it on an Arabic channel and listening to Talk Sports Radio commentary, which was two minutes ahead. Which I found very discombobulating. Yes, I know. I would
1: but have felt, I would have thought the Arabic commentary would have made more sense than English, well, like you hear on TalkSport. That
2: may well have been the better option in hindsight. But uh, what I'm really trying to say, in a very long-winded way, is that I didn't really, I didn't really, you know, see the game properly, as it were. And then I saw everybody raving about Ruben the next day, and I thought, oh. I wasn't entirely convinced he was that good. But then I saw him again on Saturday and I thought, Jesus, actually, he was good. He, he looked really good. He looked like a, one midfielder who could actually, you know, be a six, as as Thomas would likes to say, but also bring the ball out and beat people, you know, which he did on several occasions. He looked good. Is he the answer, maybe, Martin?
1: Well, he certainly has brought himself back into the question now, hasn't he? I mean, the Villa thing it was tempered with the fact Villa had made a lot of changes. He came on late. There's probably a little bit of time, but he did look impressive. Then, when he came on against City, and he started doing near enough the same things in terms of getting the ball, beating a player, making a forward run, looking like a threat rather than, you know, hanging around and passing sideways, which is unfortunately what Jorginho and Kovacic were doing a lot of yesterday, um, Saturday, sorry. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I. If this gives Ruben Loftus Cheek another chance to get back into the make himself a first team factor again, um, I look forward to it. And it's I don't think <laughs> I don't know if this is you know something we sh- should we shouldn't be writing players off with Thomas Turkle in charge because we do see them coming back into the team sometimes when you least expect them.
2: Mm, very true, Dan.
3: Yeah, I was going to say. Well, I think Loftus Cheek gives us that strength, height, and physicality midfield which we lack. Because you know, Co- you know, Jorginho's quite lightweight. Kovacic can look after himself. But Ruben being what six foot plus and real special. He's got a decent athlete.
0: shot as well, Dan, hasn't
3: he? Yeah, but I just think something about Ruben just gives the, that bit of driving forward, as, as Martin said. You know, giving the ball, he drive forward. He holds people off. He's strong. He's big. And yeah, listen, if he and he's on... and,
1: and he keeps running. So yeah. where he, where Kovacic would break break the lines, beat one or two players, he'd stop. Ruben off the cheap, would keep would keep going. And that's certainly my, my recollection of his time when he started to look really good under Sarri. Was that he would continue the forward runs into the box he's beginning and the ball to would come bigger, back isn't to him, he, and,
0: Martin? He's beginning yeah, to look back yeah. to what he was, the size that he was. I felt he went through a period last year with Fulham where he was still a kind of diminished um, yeah. player in terms, just in terms of his physique. He Whereas looked I'm a unit asking, on Saturday, didn't he? Yeah, you, yeah, yeah, It was impressive. I mean, I, I don't want to go completely. I'm I'm just worried about what permutations you start using now. In the side cause, uh,
1: uh, well, because I think with so, so many games between now and Christmas, and we're, yeah. we are starting to get a one or two silly little injuries here and there. Yeah. He's, he's going to be involved. So it's, it's certainly good to have, better to have him back in this condition and. Seemingly confidence than he than he had a couple of years ago. He
2: he looked much more uh, robust in the challenge, you know. And I, what I used to, I mean, you're right, Martin. When he played that that season, he really finally kind of broke through. I suppose. I mean, he scored about twelve goals that season as well, didn't he? But um, you know, people I used to love watching him play because people would bounce off him. He's a, he was a real unit. And then when he came back after the injury, I, he did lose a lot of weight. I think.
1: He suffered atrophy, didn't he? Yeah,
2: he did, didn't he? And and he just didn't look that robust. But yesterday, he looked a unit again, and, and, and people were bouncing off him. And I thought, hello, he's
1: back. Yeah. And it's something you've said as well about player coming back from a serious injury and having to yeah. face the first serious yeah. challenge, going yeah. in for it. And maybe it's taken him a bit more time than he expected, but... Um hopefully he's got that mental hurdle out of the way as well
2: yeah well it's the same could be said for Hudson-Odoi I suppose as well I mean JK made a really good point there about well where do, where, do, where, you know what do we do and I you know I think this is always the way isn't it with this is why I love the Premier League as well actually I, you have to be honest and say that when a team does very well playing a certain way other teams are really really good at trying to to uh to to counter it. I mean and we've been talking about it a lot this season, haven't we? We we had that chat the other week it was well what is Chelsea's weakness? Villa tried to exploit it, did quite well and then Tuchel changed it. Spurs did the same and then Tuchel changed it. And so far what he's done is he's put three in midfield. So I'm wondering if that's where we're heading that we we you know we we basically have to bolster the midfield with men but also a mix of defensive midfielders and more creative and attacking midfielders because you can't be fucking playing three defensive midfielders because there's just no creativity. But the other issue, Jonathan, as you and I have been going on about for a while as well, is exactly the point you made. You know, last season we played very, very well with no striker, ironically, because we had these three players up front, all of whom could. Interchange quite happily, and that made it really hard for the opposition because he didn't have anybody to pick up. Now, if we're going to play Lukaku, we've also got to find a system that will make him work. And I, I think, you, you, you know, if you play him in a two, with another striker effectively, but with also midfielders that are going to get up the pitch and wing backs who are going to deliver balls in, you're going to get a lot more joy. And I don't think he's really tried that yet. And I think Havertz, Havertz could be the answer. To that, play them up front with habits, but stick a, a lofter's cheek in midfield or a mount, or even just play one defensive midfielder and play both of them. If, if you're playing with wing backs, you've still got five in defense effectively if you need it. So, anyway, I'm not, I'm not I am not i haven't li- got my UA, for, my UA for license. I could be talking <laughs> bollocks, obviously. <laughs> no, me
0: neither. And I'm sure I'm talking bollocks. But I'm, I, 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 we have to remember, of course, that the not having the, the striker who could put the ball away meant that the highest goal scorer was georginio with the penalties so that exactly. was the problem yeah. so um but i'm i i think he needs i think he's searching for the right combination at the moment knowing that they're all elite players you know that's the that's the positive behind it you know
3: so the bottom line is we lost one nil to a very very good man city side the rest of our is during this year liverpool with 10 men we can yeah, live with these team. we have uh, you know
0: I don't I think the defense is fantastic yeah. it's just that it's what it's midfield and it's that making getting yeah. the best out of the what possible permutation of strikers there are I think that's the thing you know Zaych isn't doing it doesn't quite know what position to be in Pulisic is injured um Werner to me is we you know I mean where, how how much opportunity you, you don't, we don't
2: like Werner do you Funnily enough... I had
0: no idea. But have I been subtle with it? You, you have. Think? So yeah. subtle. Right out of left field, JK.
1: Yeah, I know, weird, isn't it? I know, <laughs> you, I know. You've, but, you've hit it quite well, it must be so. Uh, th-
0: thank you very much, I've tried. But hit I've it out of the that,
1: park like he I does. noticed
0: that, um, that Clayton is now on my side. Oh,
1: no, really? Uh,
0: yeah, yeah. You've turned the meek, mild-mannered Clayton? <laughs> How dare you?
2: That's a, that's a That's bullying, that is. I know I've ruined it for him. Sorry yeah. about that. Yeah. I mean, just picking up on on another point, uh, Martin or, or Danny or, or or whichever one of you want to come in. Do you, Do you think? I mean, I've had this theory for a long time, and and I'm and I know I'm going to name drop here and sound like a right prune, but there you go. I happened to have a chat with Kerry Dixon on Sunday, and we were talking about this, and I'm adamant that that Mason Mount's real position is as an eight. No, he's not a ten in my book. But I think he's genuinely got the energy, the dynamism, the ability to understand the game, to read danger, to be able to play, to be a box-to-box midfielder, to get back and, and help out, but also to get up and create. And I think we know he can score goals. I know he hasn't scored enough, but we know he's capable of it. So I think, you know, that's a natural position for him. I don't know who wants that one, Martin or Dan. Do you think he's got a role to play there?
1: Absolutely. I mean, you just saw how blunt we were at times without him on Saturday. Um I've said, said it for a while that people who are slagging off Mason Mount on social media clearly don't get professional football. They
2: don't know ball, as they might say.
1: They just don't know their ass and their fucking elbow. Is, what is, the...
2: that, is that fuck ball? Is that the, uh, <laughs> retard ball, more like.
1: I have no idea what it is, but you know, let's get back to the English language. These fucking idiots don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. Um, he, we missed the link, the link play on Saturday. It's patently obvious. We tried to. Work around it as best we could, and we almost got away with it, but we didn't. So, absolutely, Mason Mount has a role to play. I don't think he's a. a I think they try to play him as a six, and it didn't really work. No, no. he's right. so, not a six. Eight, eight is his natural, a natural position where he just links midfield and attack, and. But...
2: And that means we're going to have to have three in midfield. I mean, you know, if you remember when Frank played for Chelsea, he played on the right of a three most of his career for Chelsea. Mm-hmm. I don't see why Mount can't do that. And that means you've got a choice, really. I mean you either have a you you, you could have you know, if you accept that you either have Jorginho or Kante as the as the six, uh then you did or or you could have well, Jorginho would be the most natural choice, obviously, but you either have Kante on the left, Mount on the right, Kovacic on the left, Mount on the right I mean, you know, there are lots of permutations there and I think it's eminently doable. And I still think if he's playing three at the back and he's playing wing backs. You know, most of the time he's playing wing backs. He's playing Alonso, who's a defend I mean I know that he can't defend, but you know what I mean? He's you know, okay, Alonso's weird. So maybe we shouldn't really <laughs> pigeonhole him at all, but you know, Dave, as as is not an attacking wing back really. He's a defend he's a right back, you know. So I still think that you you defensively you're covered. If you do that, I, it'd be interesting to see what he does. Look, talking also, into... also,
0: just one one last yeah, thing. Sorry, mate. Go on. I think, I, no, no, I think I don't think that um, Kante was. I know he was really under pressure. I don't think he was fit enough.
2: Yeah, I he agree. Did, well, Tuchel said that.
0: Yeah, he didn't quite have the game that we 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 you rely heavily on him playing out of his skin and then being two of him, and it wasn't it wasn't happening. He was he was
2: mortal on on Saturday rather than super hugely mortal. Well, he was—he, I think, as you said, he had a virus, didn't he? He'd been ill all week. Yeah. Jorginho, yeah. Uh, you know, got a knock, apparently. Um, Rhys James went off injured too, which is unfortunate. We're going to talk about injuries in part two, so I'm, not, I'm going to say no more about it now. But what I am going to do, to finish up on this here apart is, uh, again, actually, you know, applaud Thomas Tuchel. I mean, this is different from the one I had in the pub, in the Atlas after the game, and I was very impressed with that, as Martin knows, because I showed him. But I thought his comments after the match were absolutely spot on. He nailed it. You know, we played brilliantly in the last 20 metres and very bang average in the, in the other 80. He's absolutely honest to a fault, this guy. And, you know, but also he, he, he took, you know, he's taking responsibility for it. He's not digging anybody out. He's taking responsibility for it. And I have nothing but good words to say about him, Dan.
3: 100%, yeah. <clears throat> Unlike Joe say, he blame everybody else. He took my fault. I picked the wrong team. He's done it a couple of times this season where he's got things wrong, but now Honest assessment, it just gets better and better each week. And again, it's how we react, you know, Juventus and Southampton could look very different by next week. But uh Artikel's very smart, great man manager. I think I think he. you know, who knows? Looking
2: forward to being sacked in fourteen months' time. Well, don't do that to me, Dan. I've fallen in love with him again. Um right. Um we are we are about to go for a break. Before we do, quick uh, couple of plug aroundies. Uh Talking of Frank Lampard, actually, the first uh, thing to talk about is another Football Prizes competition, which is, in fact, a chance to win a signed and framed Frank Lampard shirt in this week's Football Prizes draw. Uh, tickets are five ninety five each, and the draw ends this Wednesday, the 29th of September. And if you want to enter this, uh, go to footballprizes.co.uk forward slash product hyphen, sorry, product forward slash Frank Lampard. Now, there are 99 tickets available. They've already sold about 42, so you've only got about 50 tickets left. So don't wait. If you want to have a chance to win a Frank Lampard t-shirt and buy a ticket for 5.95 or even several tickets, then go and do it because they won't sell any more than that, but you might miss out if you don't hurry up. So as Dave Johnson would say, hurry up! Uh, it's only 5 95 That doesn't quite work, but you get my point. Uh, now, talking of uh, DJ, um, of course, the CFC UK is very much open for business, or the stall is. Um, I had a lovely time there on Saturday, saw Marco, Dave, uh, Pete Trenter, and Lizzie, Paul McAvoy, Chuckles, amongst many others. It was great to see everybody there. Um, and, uh, yeah, so there'll be, I think there'll be a new one out very soon, because I think the deadline's this week for, for next month. But anyway, if you want to, if you can't get to Fulham Broadway and actually buy a copy, you can actually subscribe and get them sent in the post to you. And if you do that in the UK, it's going to cost you 16 quid. Individual copies are two quid each. Uh, and you have to email, uh, you have to basically pay by PayPal and uh, send it to fanzine at CFC UK. You can also do this in your if you're in Europe and it's uh, 35 quid and the rest of the world is 45 quid. But for you lot, you might find it cheaper to do it by a digital subscription, which means you get uh, a PDF copy uh, emailed to you. Uh, and for that, it'll cost you six quid a season with individual copies being one pound each. And again, the address to send your email address or your PayPal payment is still fanzine at net. right now when we come back uh after this here break we uh we're going to be talking well i'm going to have a bitch about the referee because it wouldn't I'll jo- be a fa- i'll join in with you yeah it I'll wouldn't be a fan him. cast that. he he got me i was i mean i lost my shit i was dropping f and c bombs all over the place but it was really good i needed to get angry i think i needed to get thursday night out of my system properly So really, I should be thanking that Pratt referee, Michael Oliver, for allowing, for facilitating that, really. But we'll be talking about that. Um, Well, I think I'll also ask, would a draw have been a fair result? Uh, We need to give the defence a bit of a big up again. Uh, We're going to talk about the injury concerns with a few knocks picked up. And uh, I will be explaining why uh, this was City's Cup final, so we shouldn't really worry. But all of that will come after this here break. Right, welcome back. This is uh, the Chelsea Fancast. Obviously, I am Stamford Chich, even more obviously, and uh, perhaps less obviously, but probably just as much obviously. I'm with Jonathan
0: Kidd. Hello, it's great to be on the show. Yeah, is that your Pep Poop Guardiola impersonation? I don't know who it is. Perhaps it's Sari. No, Sari would be more like that, wouldn't he?
1: Because um, I'm beginning to look like Sari, apparently.
0: Oh, you don't I'm... knew you'd take that to heart. No, I haven't. Did <laughs> the heart? I replied.
1: Have you got I a f- have, you got, have you got a massive falcon on your arm? <laughs> <course>? <laughs> Peter Laurie, you love it. Uh, think Peter saw... Laurie
0: was more like that.
1: If you, that was Peter Laurie. If, if you saw yeah, the picture yeah. of Sari over the weekend, you'd get that reference. So <laughs> oh, would
0: I. Okay, okay. Yeah. Did I just say, Chidge? One second. Yep. Um The aim is to is to sell a few of my father's books at the stall uh, next uh, next weekend. Oh,
2: brilliant. Are you doing signed copies?
0: Yeah, if people want me to yeah. sign it, you know, it's it, I, I can't do a, a, a forgery of my dad's signature, so I'll just have to put um uh, I'll just have to put Jonathan Kidd in brackets, son Mr. of, just uh, like Mister Kidd, son and it's ambiguous. It. So yeah, you're
1: you know? going to you're going to sign it, son of Sam. Well, yeah, I was thinking, oh, that. Oh, oh, oh. good one. Oh, oh. I like that.
2: I like that. Yeah, naughty.
0: Yes, I naughty. could do that. I could do that. But anyway, yeah, take a few books on. There've been some people interested. um People saying they'd like to, to get a copy, so uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take about six along. See if I can flog them.
1: Yeah,
0: the um, Marco and uh, DJ have said they'd be very happy with that. So, if anybody wants, any listening wants a copy of my dad's book, um, it's 1945 to 52. It's about his uh, his career, um, starting off as an actor. It's quite it's funny. He's a funny writer, and um, I've edited bits and pieces, put some other stories in it, and it uh, it seems to work. Well, so, apparently,
2: Daryl. Daryl Middleditch has just started reading it.
0: Has he? Yeah, according Good to Good Yeah. Thank you. Are you finding it okay, Daryl? Tell me. There you can go. write the first first review.
2: Where else? Where else can one purchase it, mate? Uh,
0: as yet, as of yet, nowhere. Other than on um, uh, Talking Pictures TV, uh, uh, on her website, the woman who runs it, it's available there. Because um, I've given her some copies, but I'm getting a delivery of 800 this week. So I'll then be in a position to put it on the Samkid website that I'm making. Yeah. And there should be an Amazon outlet, but that won't be for a few weeks okay. yet. But um, no, it'll be I can post it to people ultimately. So as long as they give me a postal order or they um, they pay me via that'll be there'll be a, a link on the website how to pay me. So,
2: and uh, uh, how much is it? It's fourteen ninety five. Fourteen ninety five. Well, there you go. And uh, Daryl says it's very good. Oh, sweet! So there you go.
0: Thank you, mate. Thank Lovely.
2: You. Uh, now, can so I quote him? You can. It's Thank that, you. The, the precise quote: "It's v good." All right. Sweet. So that, that could mean vegan good or anything really. Oh, yeah. apparently, hang on, and getting more. Uh, Daryl says he loved the story of his new teeth. <laughs> <laughs> I don't well, don't tell him you'll they'll have to read the book. Um yeah. right uh, as well as uh, Jonathan Kidd who is now a uh, voice art uh, voice uh, voice over artist uh, Chelsea fan cast star tr- attraction uh, star of Chelsea fan bite uh, actor he's also now author we can add to that very long and distinguished list and, and Chelsea publisher fan. and book, book, book publisher. publisher okay there we go. All right so we've also got the lovely Dan Good Dan, evening all. Dan in his playroom with the numbers behind him so we can learn how to count.
3: Yeah, you see the alphabets over there as well.
2: Okay, yeah, I and mean, we normally get the alphabets. It's quite nice to have a different perspective to get the numbers this week. And the mm-hmm. absolute delightful Martin Wickham, who I had the pleasure of getting, as uh, uh, Rowley Barkin might say, very, very, very drunk with on Saturday. Evening, did. um So hungover, but uh, <laughs> it was worth it, mate. It was as you said earlier on; it was needed. Uh, now, what was needed on Saturday was a decent referee, but of course, that's impossible when Chelsea play. Um, you know, as I said, I, I I don't know why I needed to get up, standing up and shouting ranty things at people on Saturday, so I didn't need much of an excuse. But I've got got to say, I shall ask our resident referee this one. But I, I, this is this is my complaint. Jonathan, but this is my case for the prosecution. Yes. Uh, the first thing that really pissed me off was the number of times uh, City fouls in their half were ignored, which then went on to be a City counterattack. It was just beyond coincidence. Uh, the number of times Chelsea players were booked when City players hadn't been booked for exactly the same infraction. And the other thing: absolutely no VAR checks, to my knowledge, although they could have been doing it secretly. Um, and I mean, they may have been tenuous, but I thought we were in for a shout for a penalty or two. I thought I think it was either Dave or Silver who went flying in the box. Well, yeah, actually two weren't they Silver went flying in the box? Nothing at all. Aspie got hammered in the box, nothing at all. I just thought it was all a bit fishy mate
0: well, chi, I think this is the um the uh, the way they're now applying v a r to every single game which is they're trying to give the referee the power back. So um, they all seem to do this big gesture, don't they, of when they 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 do their hands in front as if they're wiping something to say, no, no, nothing there, nothing at all. It's a big, you know, no, I'm not having that. No, I'm not having that. Which seems therefore in their mind to say, I've made the decision on field and I don't really need to have VAR making the check. And um, the consequence of that is that the power has gone back with the referee and lots of the players are now chasing the referee to ask him to apply VAR. And if he runs away quickly enough, nothing actually happens whether it's in his ear. But once again, we I would like this to be so transparent that we hear VAR making the check because that's what happens in rugby and that's what happens in cricket. That's what happens. So we are part of it as opposed to the referee making the decision and, not being taken to taken into account really for it and and that it seems to me that it's gone the other way now and i agree with you completely chidge there were several possible penalty um of um situations where uh where nothing happened all he did oliver was just run away shaking his head and um i think he i think the idea is that if you run away quickly enough and the game takes over then uh, the players won't then come to you and say, what about that at the other end? Um, and it means that the game doesn't stop because there's no VAR check. So the check is done while the referee is going down the other end of the pitch. And in many instances, if the ref says, uh, no, I'm not having anything to do with that, I think his crony in, um, in Rockley says, uh, OK, let's keep going, unless it's absolutely glaringly obvious but there were several fouls that, um, and as you say, it, it, it seemed to happen that that um, Alonso got chopped. Werner on a couple of occasions didn't just fall over. He was fouled and it was ignored completely. And I, I just felt there was a, almost prejudice there from Oliver who thought, I know him. He falls over a lot. I'm not going to go for that. And whereas last season... Every single foul would be checked by VAR. I got the impression that they they just weren't bothering. I've been I've been seeing this pattern in many many other games as well that I've watched. It's it's almost as if they're happy to supposedly keep the game flowing. But what I think is happening is it means they're not bothering with a VAR check unless it's unless it's very contentious. And so it just keeps. It's supposed. I think the power is supposed to go back into the hands of the referee again with those on-field decisions. The lunacy of having um, a goalkeeper push the ball round the post and the referee gives a goal kick, and you can't check up on it because it's it's, no, no. It's the referee making the on-field decision, which to me is absolutely absurd. If you've got a camera on it, you see the ball being pushed around the post. You give the you give the corner. So I think the powers return to the referee and. It looked very similar to every kind of game pre VAR to me, which is that the referee made a decision. It's my decision. The players chase him down the pitch. It, it, he almost says, "Just get on with the game." Meanwhile, the opposition almost score because yeah, you are yeah. you're around him. And I feel that that's what we've got back into.
3: Yeah, I, I mean, just I don't think corners are ever part of the VAR setup. I think no, no, no they're not.
0: They're not. They're not. I'm saying they're not. They, they ought to be. They ought to be. Yeah, but then then the whole game just I, I... no 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 it wouldn't no, be the whole game. It's it's no, it's a you second you you got to do goal kick. You got to throw. No no one, no no no. One. It's a second Dan. It's the absolute second.
1: It takes no no fifteen pushes, seconds to check a deflection.
0: It's what takes what
1: it will take no more than fifteen seconds. To
0: exactly, check a it'd be less than that. You can see it if the guy's watching the game, he sees the deflection. Question right. the referee. It's a corner. No problem. Do you,
3: okay, do you prefer football now, as it's with very little VAR, or last season it was just such a shit show? Well, no, I don't, I, I, I don't I,
1: prefer watching my defender getting fucking headlocked in his own box trying to, trying to jump. I, don't
3: know, I get that, but <laughs> it's a general, general <laughs> overview
0: right now. What's better? The VAR... I, I, think, if, I think they've got it wrong again. They've gone the other way, for me. Yeah, I think, I think far each, far
1: each method reveals its own problems. Yeah.
2: I mean, for me... Sorry to, to butt in, boys, because I was enjoying that little rant between you all. It's quite nice to be able to sit back and have a puff of me vape. But... Yeah. Uh, for me, Dan, the big problem is fucking referees getting the fucking decisions wrong all the time. That's what pisses me off. Yeah, that pisses me off more than anything.
3: They're incompetent. That's a problem. They don't want to get each other into trouble. What we need is independent people that are doing it. Or just some, some sort of... i do thing. it. i do yeah. <laughs> I just think, like they're having a lot of sports, they just say, right, stop, this is what's going on. It takes 10 seconds for somebody to be saying, we're checking for... 'Cause you can't see the boards saying checking for handball, you don't know what's going on. Right. Just communicate with get day today's NA, mic the referees up. Yeah, absolutely. That's what do. They they, do they, they, run, another way, way of
0: doing it is doing what they did initially in cricket, which was to have a have a foreign referee coming in. Premier League's a, a, elite stuff. But not so, an Aussie. Well so, yeah. no, 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 <laughs> no. no. did that
3: like the NFL? Where well, they go, yeah. right, foul Man City oh. number six,
0: whatever. The NFL is great because the teams are there making all the decisions, and it's instantly on, and you hear exactly what is being done. I love all of that. They would yeah. say it slows it down. I, you know, if it becomes, it, I mean, listen, I think to point comes the, the fabric of the game, it works. You know, yeah, NFL is a lot more stop, start, stop, start. You can have
3: delays, True. but if there's a referee it was might have said right, handball. No, and the other thing that really pissed me off was when there was a handball midfield, when the referee pointed the knees to hand. Yeah. Yes, that was exactly what happened to Reese James. Exactly, David. exactly,
0: yeah. and it's exactly what happened in the FA Cup final with the Leicester yeah. goal. And yeah. he should sure do a massive
3: gesture with his hands, yeah. I think.
0: Yes, yes. he got it a completely um, wrong, Oliver. That decision. I'm mean, I'm disappointed he, because he used to be one of my favourites when he when he he sent Herrera off, you know, before because he'd said there were too many fouls going and I thought this is a really advanced ref he understands the laws and yeah. the application. He seems to have fallen back into that the same cronyism, the same trap that yeah. everybody is, is. And I in. think that's the problem
2: JK, it's the cronyism, isn't it? Because I think, you know, I mean we all love our cricket here. Uh but like Martin in 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 cricket, um if the umpire gets it wrong, you know, there's no kind of uh, you know, I mean, they don't have a problem saying you got it wrong or you got it right when they do a review of a decision. The umpire yeah, just accepts that he is fallible and he moves on. Why is it that our referees and their arrogance seem to think they're beyond
1: reproach? Because we made fucking celebrities of the pricks. That's why. Mm. Why the fuck is Mike Dean some sort of celebrity? He's a ref. What you know? Why is you know why is he an internet meme? Because he make like, he you know he's supporting fucking Tranmere allegedly. We have made these referees into celebrities. They started believing their own hype. That odious wanker Mark Clattenburg fucking <laughs> surfaced last week, claiming Mikel John Obi Mikel, ruined his life. Could have done Fuck.
2: if it could have done if they'd have let him in the dressing room.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I think Wish he, they got, had. So Yeah, it, it would have been a much more amusing story. But yeah, they, they there's no humility among amongst it. The VAR refs are in line for the jobs on the pitch, so. They can't mug off a superstar referee by saying you've dropped the bollock there. Check that again. So what's the point? Like you said, cricket third umpire says so that's you know that is actually out. You need to overturn your decision. Rugby, same thing. On a on a try check.
2: And they're they're cool too. They got. I mean, I mean, they've they've got quite. E- I mean, you know, they, they've got egos. The uh, the uh, test match. Uh... Um, rugby referees, but they, they yeah. don't have a problem with it either, do they? They're a team, that's the point. What they want to yeah. do is get the right flaming decision. Why do we have a problem with that in football? It's crazy.
1: I don't understand it. I mean, I didn't actually think there was that so, um, the, the James Red card annoyed me more than, than some of the decisions on yeah. Saturday, but it just all it all builds up and City are the master of the shit house foul where you do it early enough in the play that it never really gets pulled
2: i mean you see i have no problem i mean you know by the way chaps this is not by any stretch of the imagination trying to make an excuse for why we lost because i i I absolutely we all agree that city were the much better side on on the saturday and and fair play to them um but i just get really pissed off with the with the you know the appalling standard of refereeing really and i and it just annoys me and as I said I just want to see the right decisions being made and the and the some consistency and we just never ever well, seem to get that.
1: what happens last week in the Champions League the one the one referee who makes an utterly stupid unforgivable cock up Anthony Taylor.
2: What a bloody surprise. Um anyway look we were saying a bit earlier in in part 1 weren't we Dan that or I was anyway that um I I actually thought you know even, even though, even though, look, city, city were the better side. I mean, they, they, they bossed us in pretty much every department. But um, the reality is, even though you can make that argument, there's a cigarette paper between these two sides. Really, I think, I think Pep Pep worked his tactics out very, very well. I can't argue with that. But there is a cigarette paper within these two, and I genuinely feel. That until that and it was a fluky goal, you know. There's it should have been blocked. It came off the underside of Jorginho's boot. Uh Mondi was unsighted. I think that's quite a lucky goal. So we were containing them up till then. They weren't creating that many clear cut chances. I mean, I know we created absolutely bugger all, but they weren't creating that many. I, I actually do think a draw wouldn't wouldn't have been a, an unfair result, really, to be honest.
3: I think it'd been been a lucky result for us, but I think until this score, Mendy wasn't troubled, only towards the end of the game, where we were trying to catch on the counter, yeah. they started creating more chance, but I thought, you say, listen, we'll be, we'll be very close between us and City end of the season, you know, one of those days, scruffy Gold wins a match, quite gone for 0-0, which I think maybe what Tukor was trying to go for, try to go for a draw and nick a, nick a win at the end, but two of the best sides um, in Europe at the moment, two of the best sides in the Premier League, as has been proven by the Champions League final. So I think, you know, we'll, we'll be there or thereabouts. I'm not at all worried about defeat on the weekend. It's one of those days we got took, got it wrong. They got a scruffy goal end of roll on Southampton. Uh,
0: Alonso almost got that free kick over, you know, the one he took towards the end of the game, which has um, uh, hit the head and went out for a corner. And uh, I wish he'd, he'd just missed, wish he'd been slightly more accurate, but he was really upset that he, it, it, it hadn't cleared the wall. Because he hit it really well, and I think if he'd missed that head, the head hadn't been there, it would have gone in, and then we'd have been talking about you know uh, um, a, a decent defensive performance and all right, they were they were on top of us, but we uh, we clawed it back. It would have been one-one. So. Um, there were there's still the odd positive to be had from it, I think.
2: I'm going to go back to the refs here because I've had a had a um, a message from Matt Young on Mixler. He says, "Chaps, I get you you're unhappy with the standard of refereeing in the PL, uh, but I find it offensive. These are human beings doing the best they can, and if you could just hear yourselves, I think you would be surprised. Blaming a ref is like blaming a poor pitch. Well, I think I just said actually, Matt that I'm not in any way blaming the fact that we lost 1-0 on the ref. I was just basically saying it really pisses me off that we seem to have a very poor quality of refereeing that we as a, there seems to be a complete lack of consistency and it just annoys me. I love football and I want to see the right decisions made and I don't feel they're made well enough. I I mean I don't think, you know, put it this way, I was I'm being I've perhaps been a lot more polite now than I was on Saturday when I was screaming and shouting. But that's football. You know, that's what happens inside a stadium. But I don't think we've been offensive.
1: I will continue to be offensive about my dislike of the cult of celebrity that surrounds certain referees in this country because it's a load of bullshit. And I make no apologies. Yeah, I
0: I don't... I don't think they're human beings. We're allowed to criticise them. If they're on the rest of Europe, everybody referees better than we do. Are we, are we supposed to sit back and say, oh, no, no, let's just accept the fact that they're not very good? Is I, that I what would
2: welcome is a lot of the Champions League referees that we've had in recent years. I would welcome them refereeing in the Premier yeah, League because yeah, they're so much better. Dan?
3: Yeah. This is a billion-dollar entertainment industry got the most abysmal referees at the top level who just are not fit for purpose in many cases. Yeah, whether that's down to do with the PHML, whether it's down to do with um, the rules set by it's IFAB, isn't it, that David Ellery? Yeah, of, yeah, yeah. But I, well,
1: IFAB's applied across multiple leagues. It's, yeah, it seems to be seemingly in this country where there is a protection racket around referees. Yeah, and well, I got... think
3: IFAB's fucking David Ellery, who's has been wielding him from '94. I just think these guys are not fit for purpose. You know, they need to be. They're not. Not. They're not. They're not unfit. They, they keep up with the games, but decision making is just selling mistakes week in week out across the board not just Chelsea all teams all I teams. would
0: join issue with that as well though Dan I don't think they're up that they're, they're fit enough I don't think they're uh, up with the game enough again the other other aspect I keep going on about is they're using the 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 third assist second assistant the linesman they don't because you know I told you that story about having some work done and the guy doing the 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 work on it, was a a referee's assessor for me. And he said, uh, um, he changed his personality when I talked about referees. He became very like that. And he said, of course, everybody, he said all the linesmen are deferring to the referee. In other words, they're they're not important enough for the referee. So the referee makes the decisions without consulting with the linesman. Funny enough, i watched say about a referee and he basically said before the match,
3: only flag for X, Y, Z. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
3: It was like flag for offside, flag for
0: throws, flag for off the ball, but that's it. I don't know anything else. Yeah, well, that means a winner, but he's not capable of seeing everything because they're not up with the game enough. One positive about Klattenberg was that at least he was right on top of everything because he was the fittest guy there was, but it went to his head because he was clearly the the best at the time, you know. Uh,
1: Just because he wanted to make sure he was on camera the whole time. (laughs) You're absolutely right. He certainly certainly was that.
0: He certainly was that.
2: All right. Um, You know, maybe uh, referees aside, I think uh, maybe our luck ran out a bit and we have been getting the rub of the green in some respects. So, you know, maybe we would do one. But uh, I have to say, like I was saying a minute ago, I did think that we were actually doing a very good job of containing them. And uh, my hat is well and truly off to Mondi, Silva, Rudiger and Christensen, who were all absolutely superb again, weren't they, Martin?
1: Yeah, and I'll keep doing this because I'm, Unlike a lot of people, I can actually apologise when I have said something that was blatantly stupid, but I got Andreas Christensen very wrong a good year to well, 18 months ago. I think we ago. all did. We all yeah, did. Yeah, but I, I, I've owned my mis- I'm owning my mistake. Yeah. I, had him, I had him halfway out the door and I was wrong. And I'm glad I was wrong because he's a fucking magnificent footballer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the fact that you know James came off and there wasn't really that much concern because we knew Thiago Silva was coming on, as a replacement just shows you where we are with that defence it's really good you know Mendy's I don't think he's a stopgap anymore I think that I one's think. out of the door I think he's world
2: class Martin period I think
1: well you know we had this we had this tendency even in the you know the first Mourinho we signed the players that were just under the world class bracket and then they would become world class you know I'd say something you know the likes of Drogba and then moved up through their time at Chelsea and I think Mendy could do that here
2: Mm, I think he probably could. Uh, yeah, long may it continue. I mean, you know, the other thing is we've got a, we've got a. I I mean, you know, it's we seem to be kind of well-stacked for them. I mean, I know we've let a few go, but uh, Silva, Rudiger, Christensen, Chaloba, throw Dave in the mix as well. Uh, they are they are playing really, really well, and it's good. So let's hope they keep that up. Um, I mean, actually, we mentioned Reese, didn't we? And I, I, it was a blow, I think, that he, I think it was actually more of a blow to any attacking intent that we had, uh, jk really when reese james yeah, came on, I,
0: I think as i said earlier i think that was uh another major problem because it meant that um uh, dave had to move out didn't it and then he brought um uh who did he bring on instead silver didn't he bring silver on? Best. yeah yeah and, and you know and I, there's a discussion about whether the silver should be playing on tuesday where he hardly played so i would play silver and silver once again silver played out of his skin Silver's a magnificent player, absolutely wonderful, wonderful. He still um, but, is world class, is not he? Yeah, absolutely. But it, it destroyed the structure of the side, you know. I think because it would have been intriguing to see what um, how the second half would have gone with, uh, with 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 Rhys James. What what did he do? Do we know what how he injured? What what he injured? He's got a high
2: a high level ankle sprain. They now, said he could right. be out for about six weeks, they said, although they, yeah. obviously nobody knows yet because they don't know the extent of it. But I read something somewhere, somebody who knows about these kind of injuries was giving a timeline and and he could be out for as much as six weeks, which that would be a blow because I think for, for Reese James, obviously himself, but for us, because I, I really do think, you know, he offers a lot more uh, as the right wing back than Dave does, much as I love Dave, but... So he could be out. But we've got a few. I mean, John, I think it was Jake. One of you were mentioning we've got it getting a picking up a few injuries at the moment. Um, who else has uh, got a knock? Well, Conte, obviously. Uh, Jorginho got a knock. Silva was carrying an injury. Mount's injured. Pulisic is out.
0: What's Mount's injury, Chidge?
2: He's got something to do with an ankle again, isn't it, or something? Or is it muscle injury? I, I don't know. I think someone
3: said if, he was, if the game was on Sunday, he would have played. Yeah. They they they're think
2: not. he may be fit for Juventus, but they, it's touch and go. Apparently, there's not he's not a definite for Wednesday, so it's an irritating one. Um, what I wanted to ask actually, Dan, was um, you know, given Reese is out for possibly a few weeks, do you think do you think uh, Hudson Odoi might get a go as the right wing back? I,
3: well, I've just actually, say, if you look at our next six seven games aside from Juventus, there's sort of game where Callum might actually get some really good times going forward because on paper they're generally what you think are more winnable matches. We haven't got any real. Tough challenges there. So yeah, maybe Cannon should get some game time and get you know, if he gets six, seven games, might actually see him find a bit of form. Mm. So I don't think he'll play as there all the time. I think Cannon's got a real opportunity here.
2: Yeah. But Martin, would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, well think I'm still a bit dubious about him playing right wing back, but games coming up are the ones that where he will be allowed comparative freedom to play on that flank. So mm.
2: it's kind of an interesting point, isn't it? Because <laughs> the the thought occurred to me. I mean, I, I'm i sure I read it somewhere, but Tuchel kind of, uh, you know, knew Silva was carrying a knock. He knew Kante was still, you know, a bit sick. And I'm just wondering if if it says to me, does he really, you know, we've said that we've had this conversation many a time over the last few years. But does he really trust the, you know, the players who are not what we would say the, the, the first 13, shall we say? Does he really trust the other players that he can throw in? And I mean, I think we're about to find out, aren't we, JK?
0: Well, it's this thing, isn't it, of... of we, I keep going back about Kenyon saying, you know, you want two world-class players for every, every position. And uh, only a year ago, we were saying, let's get rid of most of the squad. So um, uh, I wonder whether, whether you now say, actually, we now have got... Has he made them into world-class players or... Um, um, do we do we now have, I don't know, six world-class players? It's a question of, you know, they win the Champions League. There's clearly a lot of, of improvement gone on. So, um, um, but it just might be that some of them are, are, aren't playing well enough. I mean, I was intrigued to see, I felt that uh, that Chilwell would have coped better with the situation than Alonso. Um, but it's, it's a Chil- Chilwell we're talking about at the end of last season. We're not talking about the Chilwell of this season, who was relatively anonymous against Villa during the week. So perhaps uh, Alonso is the better player, but was found out because all he could do was defend uh, in the game because City was so fantastic with the press. But um, uh, he came more into his own in the second half when, as I think as, uh, as Tuchel said, we then um, started taking risks and you do need to take the odd risk. I mean, there were a couple of occasions where we were just two versus two, and yet we dealt with it because they're good enough to deal with that. And you then think, well, perhaps we were a little bit pusillanimous in the first half. We were a bit uh, incapable of pushing on when we should have actually taken more chances. And I think that was a that's a mental thing. I think, as Tuchel said, I don't think we were as um, in, engaged in winning the game as we should have been.
3: Dan. Two points I think Tiercle said about Loftus Cheek, it's not a gift. He's earned this. And with yeah. Chua, I think Chua has just come back from the international breaks. I think you can't really judge him based on, you know, a, a scratched team against Villa. I think Chua has got will, will probably get his place back from Alonso. I think over the next few weeks. But I think no, I think the players are in there on merit. Callum's got to earn his place. Loftus Cheek in two games has done a lot more than Callum's done in the last dozen games. That's you know, he's just got to prove himself when he gets a chance. Got to have that desire, and that hunger. To really want to say, right,
2: you can't drop me because I'm undroppable. But do, do you think Tuchel trusts those, some of the players in the squad that we're talking about to be able to come uh, in uh, and do a job for him? Yeah, think, gonna, he's going to need them, Dan. I think he trusts them all. I think he's got belief in all the players. All but right. like I said, we lost a cheat. Lost cheat's fought his way back into the team.
3: His words were this, you know, Ruben playing is not a gift. This is Ruben's hard work. So I believe that if they put the, the shift in, they'll, they'll, he'll, he'll trust them. Mm, he's not afraid to make choices. Like when he picked, he bought on cannabis at Hampton last year and took him off again in half an hour. So he's not afraid to make statement substitutions. So I, th- I think he's got the the reading of the team
2: spot on. Mm, well, we will see. Time was. Will... So Martin, did you want to come in?
1: No, nope. not really. No, you, were just scra- <laughs> you were just scratching
2: your nose. That's perfectly uh, fine. Um, all right, let's just kind of wrap this up then. Um, City played very, very well. They are clearly a good side. And yet they're a side that can draw nil-nil at home to Southampton. My feelings on this overall are that Pep, particularly, and City were absolutely determined to win this. In a sense, they were were playing the Champions League final three months late. They're really sore about the fact that we, we beat them and the way that we beat them. Uh, and they just didn't want to lose this match, and they did everything they could. They pulled out all the stops, and when you've got a good team that's completely focused and they pull out all the stops, they have a tough nut to crack. And yet, as I said, I think, you know, had we got a draw out of that, um, it wouldn't have been the biggest, you know, robbery since the Great Train Robbery. So I think that actually says it all. Um, although I agree with Tuchel that says we were a bit we were a bit cautious and we kind of played as if we had something to lose. But like Dan said earlier on, I mean, you know, that was City's Cup final for me, in a way, and uh, I don't think it'll anyway. It will not define our season, and I don't think it'll define who wins the title this season either, Dan.
3: No, not at all. And I think Pep was not going to lose four games zero to Thomas Tuchel just from professional pride yeah. and his own ego. So no, this listen, it was a, it was a one 0 defeat. Liverpool, you expect them to beat Brentford, they didn't. You expected Man to beat Aston Villa at home, they didn't. We're not that much worse off.
2: Well, you would have expected so, City to beat Southampton at home, wouldn't yeah,
3: you? Yeah, that's why it's going to be a weird old season. Weird. We are after what we eight games in, seven games in, six, six, six games in. I mean, you think we Liverpool hardest away game out the way got a point, one at Spurs, one at Arsenal, lost to a very good Man City. So side. I think I'm not. I'm just very happy with the start we've made.
2: Mm.
1: Martin, much the same. I mean, Liverpool are playing Man City next weekend, so. They draw, we beat Southampton. Not a given, seeing as what they've done earlier this season and no no damage done. It's six yeah. game in it's the sixth game it was the sixth game of the season last Saturday. It wasn't the twenty sixth. So no no panic yet. No, yeah.
2: absolutely. JK, you would agree?
0: No. I'm bitterly disappointed <laughs> and we need to win every game by at least three goals.
2: Only three? What? That's
3: unlike no. you. You've got a got a bit of FIFA fanboy, haven't you?
0: Completely,
2: Tukal yeah. out, mate. He's hashtag Jonathan Tukal out, hashtag Tukal out kid.
0: Yeah, yeah, completely. Yeah, let's get um, who can we get in? Um, uh, we, got, quite, we can't have Benitez
2: an anymore, he's gone. Gino. Uh, Ole Ole Ole. Indeed. Uh, okay, on that uh, rather surreal twist from Mr. Kid, uh, we've got a couple of plugs to good to do before we go to a break. One of them, of course, is the Chelsea supporters trust which Dan is now the uh, the well the ever popular mouthpiece of I would say he's the public face of the trust these days. They they they've got a much better looking face than the one they had before. I can't think who that was. Oh, it was yeah, me, wasn't that. it? Uh, well, anyway, it's like radio. <laughs> that's what I always used to say. Now, if you want to join the trust, always a good time to join the trust. Uh, and it costs five quid to be a member, uh, which means you get to vote. Uh, have a say on lots of important issues. You know, usual kind of fare, like the ticket prices, kickoff times, all the things that irritate us that we'd like to see sorted out. European Super League was another big one, wasn't it? Um, And as I said, you get to go to the meetings, vote in the elections, and there will be uh, an annual general meeting coming up. I think it's when is it, Dan? October the 9th. uh, Yeah, it's National Break Weekend. Yeah, so there we go. So there's an AGM then, which if you're a member, you're more than entitled to come along to. Uh, and uh, you can you can put forward your, your own motion if you want. Uh, if, you, you, if you're a member, you will have had the email about this, so just read that and it'll tell you what to do. But you also get a lovely uh, Chelsea Supporters Trust badge. So if you want to go to chelseasporterstrust.com, you can sign up there. It's very simple to do. And, of course, the Chelsea pitch owners is another thing that uh, you really need to be doing, uh, getting yourself a CPO share, which means you will have a share of the freehold of the stadium and protect it from being sold uh, to any rapacious property developer or their like in the future, and of course, more importantly, it means that stanford Bridge uh, and football will be played there forever. Uh, now, the shares I think have gone up again. They've got they've kind of got rid of the cheap shares. They're all about a hundred quid, but don't let that deter you. Uh, if you want to spend more, you can get like a signed one in a frame, signed by a player or the manager, uh, or you can get it presented on the pitch, and that costs you a bit more. But basically, around a hundred quid will get you a share. And uh, they're well worth getting. So just go to the Chelsea website and search for Chelsea pitch owners, and they will tell you how. Uh, now, after the break, uh, we're going to be—we've uh, got got a couple of fantastic emails. Actually, one of them is hugely long, and thankfully, Jonathan will be reading it, not me. But he will—he will be doing it more justice. And of course, we will have the results of this week's Fannies, which have been up on the Twitter polls uh, for the City game. So don't go away. We'll be back in a minute.
3: Fans real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com
2: Welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast with me, Mr. Stanford Chidge, and uh down below Mr. Jonathan Kidd.
0: According to me, I'm up here. Actually.
2: Well, but according to me, you're below, right below me. You're right down there.
0: Oh, that's why you keep pointing at me like that. Yeah,
2: you're down there. Oh, Martin okay. is there, and Dan yeah. is down there for me. No,
0: you're you're there. Dan is there. Martin is, Martin is is.
1: Doesn't oh. know where the fuck he is.
0: <laughs> they are there. They are there. Well, there we go. We, we've surreally managed to introduce
2: everybody by doing that. So, uh, but always good to have Martin and Dan on the show together. And uh, as I said, it was quite, quite a wonderful bit of serendipity that we're reuniting the uh, the drunkards in the Atlas pub, which is where we all were on Saturday afternoon with the lovely, delightful Brian Wolfe. And we, we really we really should say uh, how brilliant it's been seeing Brian over from Chicago and sending big love to him and all the Chelsea and Chicago mob as well, and and hopefully he'll get back really, really soon because it's just great seeing him. And uh, we also need to have a big shout out, shout out for Dane, and he knows why. And I will be talking to him about that at some stage. Uh, I'll say no more about it on air. Dan's nodding wistfully. He knows what I mean. Yeah. Uh, he's a very lovely boy, but a very naughty boy. So I need to have a word with him and sort something out. And um, actually, while I'm at it, because I, I often say this, don't I? I, say that I shall definitely give people a shout out who I randomly bump into uh at the match and I bumped into quite a few actually on Saturday I saw the I I basically saw you know the other week I said I'm, I sh- I met this bloke and I didn't quite catch his name and his name is Rabby and Rabby is what well, I didn't know Rabby is actually Cammy's brother I met the oh. legendary Cammy on uh, on Saturday at the stall it was great to see those two uh I've already mentioned Chuckles and Paul McAvoy. Uh, but I really also enjoyed meeting David Branch, who I, I know on Twitter, who's a lovely chap on Twitter. Um, stupidly, I hadn't twigged that David's actually Scottish, but he came and said hello to me in the cock. And he's a really lovely bloke, so it's nice to see him. Um, Lozer, of course, good old loza from the beautiful game, has had a low in the cock. Um, and uh, and uh, the guy on the table with um, with uh, Brian, Scott, he was a great bloke. I really enjoyed meeting Scott all day. He was great fun. He was great, wasn't he? Yeah. He was. yeah he's really nice guy. Lovely bloke. And and he was my, my partner in crime in getting the shots going round because nobody else was keen. So uh, it, it, I, I can blame Scott for my hangover. But he was a top, top bloke. Uh, and last but by no means least, I also met the wonderful Eric from Germany. I didn't really realise he was that Eric Martin, but uh, I had a lovely chat with him. He's a really nice lad too. So it was a really good day for meeting a load of people I haven't seen before or kind of new from Twitter. And that's the beauty of going to the bridge.
0: On of course, the lovely account. Alex was there as of well. Of
2: course, yeah. Well, I, I didn't think I needed to mention her because she's part of our mob. But uh, actually, you're right. I haven't seen her for a while, so it's really lovely to see her too. So there you go. Now yeah, it was great, great afternoon. Really enjoyed it. Anyway, enough of me prattling on about people I saw on Saturday. Uh, we've got a lovely email from somebody we know very well, JK.
0: From Mr. Donald Foley.
2: He's in here tonight too. Hello,
0: Donal. Hello, mate. Um, Chichi, Kid and Associates, that's uh, Wickham and Silva. Pin your ears back, because this is serious. None of your midshipmen Bayou pseudo-cultural whimsy bollocks tonight, me old Chinas. No, this is a tale of modern football fandom, or a bitter recent experience suffered by myself, and the sun and air, heretofore referred to as the S and H at the iron-gloved hand of the security apparatchiks who are taking over our beloved club. Now, no documentary on the military life, be it Marines, French Foreign Legion, parachute regiment, is complete without a troop of pasty-faced youths, their thin, knobbly legs buckling as they stagger around some God-forsaken corner of obscurity with the equivalent of a small bungalow on their backs. In My Fair Lady, as Audrey Hepburn prepares to sing, wouldn't it be lovely?" Numerous market porters shoulder sacks in the background. Paul Robeson sings old man river in showboat as stevedores tote bales of cotton. Names like Louis Vuitton conjure images of luxuriant fur-coated wealthy types boarding a cruise ship or the Orient Express with a cohort of porters trolleying their beautifully handcrafted leather luggage behind them. Their backs remain unbent, even when they go mountaineering or exploring the Orinoco, there are Sherpas or local people to bear the burden. These examples are evidence, I think, that putting something on your back and carrying it or paying someone else to do it is central to our cultural and lived experience. Baggage, people, We all carry baggage. Some of it overwhelms us. Some of it is a mere irritant. Some of it defines us. The rest is just a necessity to be coped with. And so on Wednesday evening, myself and the SNH made our way towards Stamford Bridge. Rucksacks on our backs, he from school, me from work. We had no choice but to bring these with us. No matter though, I had done the same for many an evening game in years gone by. Having paused our journey for a meal, we came unto the home of Europe's champions, fed and watered, ready to enjoy the beautiful game. Game doesn't start for an hour, early for once, I remarked. I think we'll go straight to our seats, so don't fancy the crush under the East stand just to get a drink. For yes, dear reader, we had tickets right up the back of the East stand, and in these COVID times, being pressed against the nasal hairs of a fellow fan, all for the sake of what passes for a beer, is best avoided, I feel. And so we passed the first row of stewarding near the Millennium Hotel and headed for the ramp up to the East Stand. As is usual, there was a second phalanx of stewards and we prepared to have our bags searched. The SNH proffered his unzipped backpack. The casual rummage commenced only for the dread words to be uttered by an adjacent colleague. That bag is larger than I thought. You have to take it back to near the millennium. Well, you can imagine the slight irritation that caused, but we assumed that for some reason these bags had to be searched on one of the tables they have there. Ah, if only that were true. For once there, we were further directed to a queue tailing back from a mobile unit that we quickly realised was some sort of left luggage location. Now, I can see how useful such a provision would be if you, for whatever reason, have come to the game with traveling luggage, like the small suitcase brandished by the chap ahead of us in this queue. I say queue, but if you were asked to define a queue, one of the, one of the properties inherent in such a thing is movement. It is an orderly means whereby one makes progress as each person in said queue avails themselves of whatever facility or service is offered at the business end of the line. Movement detectable by the human eye was not a property apparent in this collection of motley, burden-bearing individuals. A good 40 minutes passed between joining the queue and arriving at the service point. There were two persons engaged in taking the bags and one whose task was to write down a certain amount of personal information. Now, I don't know how familiar any of you are with theories of organisation of methods, workflows, just-in-time planning, etc. Or perhaps you have worked in a left luggage, cloakroom or coat check, but I'm guessing you may have already noted a fatal flaw at the heart of this enterprise. Yes, yes, While it takes moments to take a bag and hand over a number tag. It takes longer to interrogate someone for their name and phone number. While writing said information, legibly and in long hand. So doing the math, twice as many bags are handed in as there are means to note the are handed in as there are means to note the owner's details. Result: this shit show. <laughs> now I'm by nature a rather diffident individual who always wants to avoid fuss and confrontation, I live by the precept you shouldn't make life difficult for people who are only doing their job and cannot of themselves affect a significant change in your circumstances. The rider here is that they in their turn should treat you with respect too. But this was a farcical situation, as someone as someone needed to ask questions. And so, despite myself and to the obvious embarrassment of the SNH, an equally reserved and diffident individual, I loudly inquired of those attending on us as to when this rule had been introduced. This season was the answer. I then asked if they thought it sensible to not advertise this on the ticket. Ah, yes, the ticket you yourself now print off. Chelsea FC having cleverly passed responsibility for procuring paper and ink To us, the fans, the response suggested that the frontline operatives were not in command of facts relating to the subtleties of policy implementation. And to be fair, they had a point. So I gave up. The fact that you're standing on the ground also makes successful debating difficult by virtue of the fact they're within the vehicle. And the consequent height advantage means they are literally, if not metaphorically, looking down on you. We hurried back towards the east stand, but I did notice that despite moving slowly, the queue for the luggage depository had not significantly lengthened. The reason for that soon became apparent when we got to the security line, for there was the self-same operative rummaging through a bag of equivalent size to ours before waving the owner through. What had happened to the bag-size edict? I hear you cry. Well, anticipating just such a question and with my dander very much up, I walked up to a supervisor and inquired why they'd stopped me taking through a normal-sized rucksack 40 minutes ago, but any Johnny come lately could wander up now and be let through. Listener, you will be surprised to hear that his answer lacked logic and coherence. Apparently, his personnel had to use their initiative and he couldn't ensure that they carried out instructions in a consistent fashion. Consistency. It's not just the refereeing where this problem bedevils football, it would seem. I ventured that perhaps as we were now near kickoff, and they would have problems turning lots of people away to rid themselves of their burden, they were no longer bothering. A straight answer was not forthcoming. I sensed the SNH was becoming concerned about my volubility around figures in authority and was fearing he would have at some point been forced with the appropriate level of mockney to utter the immortal words Leave it, Dad. They're not worth it. So we left the scene and searched out our seats. Game time was approaching. It was time to put the frustrations of the evening behind us. A man then sat down next to me, placed his bag on the floor. It was one of those retro-style shoulder bags beloved of Adidas and others. While he was looking at the warm-up on the pitch, I surreptitiously unfolded my A4 paper ticket and measured it against the bag to the amusement of the S&H. You will not be surprised <laughs> that it was somewhat larger. Even as the game began, more and more later arrivals climbed up the stand, brandishing their rucksacks as though to mock us. But the game was on now, and there were more important matters to be attending to. To keep this short... <sighs> And to the point, we enjoyed the game, the performance, and the result. I had contemplated leaving before the penalties to get in the queue for luggage retrieval and hopefully steal a march, but I just didn't have it in me. I had to watch. I am a fan, after all, not a visitor, a customer, or patron. I'll accept punter in certain circumstances, but not match goer. Therefore, the match day experience, I am a fan. And he rode up, as we say in the world of carriageway repairs, to keep this short and to the point. We collected our bags post-match with a wait of about 20 minutes, as the S&H observed. If they'd really imposed the rule properly, they'd have needed at least three of those mobile units. Now there's enough queuing at petrol stations, ports and the like these days, and one doesn't want to be political, but all this smacks of Britain's current predilection for big ill thought out gestures, unsupported by the necessary detail. To implement it. I fully understand health and safety and the assessment of risk. If there's an overwhelming reason for ensuring that means of ingress and egress from the narrow rows of seating aren't hampered by personal, the means is, is not hampered by personal baggage, well fine. But if someone has identified such a problem, particularly for midweek games, then it is beholden on them to plan it properly in the real world and not issue an edict and trust that security contractors will implement it. The whole process is so half assed it only adds to the perception, common in many areas of life, that empires get built and become self-justifying. It's important that we're safe to enjoy our football, but we're also entitled to believe that the object of the exercise is that the process should serve us and not the other way around. Printing your own tickets, size restriction on bags, it feels like the club is peopled <laughs> by former employees of ryanair i remain as ever your loyal listener
2: goodness gracious me mr foley i hope i hope you feel better for that uh it sounds like you needed to uh to uh Thanks. yes extric- it, it, extricate extricated from office. your person mate
1: it, it saved his mp a bollocking in the next oh. post anyway
2: well, I think I should send this to Guy Lawrence actually. Can I do that, Donal? I'm sure he'd love to. He'd probably just about manage to read all, all the way through it. Some, and Bruce, Buck. Yeah, some Bruce some Buck. of the long words might trouble him, obviously. But uh, it, it,
1: well, it does it does hit a wider point though in that there are certain elements of getting into the ground at the moment that are very much make it up as you go along. And I think the bag checks, obviously, one of them. but the I'm COVID checks, COVID. Well, the COVID check is like a waste of. <laughs> A waste of time because they're not scanning the codes, and yeah, I think they they have they, they have to be seen to be doing certain things, but you should try and do them correctly, otherwise it's a waste of time, yeah,
2: um I mean, there's some very interesting points coming out on 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 mixley, you would not be surprised to hear. I was about to say, Martin, well, we can blame Wembley for this, because of course Wembley have been doing this for a long time, of course, clubs you haven't been to Wembley for a long time won't know this, but obviously we do um. But actually, uh, Nathan, the dear old Nathan from the Chelsea Grove Society, uh, who I'm sure I also saw on Saturday. Did I not, Nathan? I'm sure I saw you among my wanderings. Anyway, um, it was brought in as a result of the, the findings of the Manchester Arena bombings. Uh, so there we go. Uh, Donal says, catharsis, JK. So he feels better, I think. And uh, Daryl says, uh, yeah, Nathan says, I did see him. I I I must have seen you when I was relatively sober, so you know, apologies for not being with it. Anyway, Daryl says Stewards have had mares lately. Zenit game, some fans missed twenty five minutes of the game. Villa Cup game I was ten minutes missed. No signage to direct people who didn't know where to go. Yeah, I have to be honest, Daryl, that's one of my massive bugbears about cup games. For some reason, now I I sit right on the penultimate row, almost the back row of Matthew Harding stand in the corner, gate seventeen. So why is it that my row becomes a fucking thoroughfare for people who go into the wrong gate in the Matthew Harding end to get to the East Stand. I don't understand how that... I think somebody just hates me and says, oh, no, no, tell you what, go the long way round and go through row S just to piss Chidge off. I think that's what goes on. Because it makes no bloody sense. But, yeah, people not having a clue where they're going which is a bit of a curmudgeonly thing because, I mean, I, I know where I'm going because I've sat there for 20 years. But just because if you've never been there before, why on earth should you? So I'm just but being a miserable The stewards
0: should be there to tell you where to go. The steward should be directing them to the proper gate.
2: But I think that's what happens. I think they come in through the Matthew Harding uh, entrance at the at the back uh, yeah. and then they find out that they're actually sitting in the east end or in gate 17. So they, they go, oh, well, you go, go through the last last exit, and then you walk up there, and then you yeah walk past Chidge, because it'll piss him off, and then you can get to where you're going. And I think that's what happens. But anyway, as I said, I'm just an old curmudgeon. Anyway, Donald, lovely to hear from you, mate. Uh, shame I haven't seen you at uh, a game. It'd be nice to catch up with you and have a, have a beer or three. Oh, that's right. Nathan's reminded me. He says, I was on my way to the toilet in the Atlas. Yes, I was completely battered by then, mate. So I was hardly compus so... That's that's that accounts for my short term memory loss, but it was good to see you, and I do remember saying hello. Anyway, we've got enough, look, one more email this week. Uh were Donald's so long we don't have time for any others. So uh Andrew Bailey, good old Andrew Bailey down in Melbourne says, Good morning, Stanford Cheers, JK, and a steam panel of guests. Not the best performance from the boys. They seem strangely flat, which is weird considering most were rested for the villa game. The midfield had the look of what we would have on the pitch to close a game out. Pep was hoping for that sort of showing from De Bruyne back in May. He's too good a player to not exact some sort of revenge for the poor showing City put out in May. Good point, Andrew. Uh, it really showed how easily our press falls down without Mason Mount on the pitch to lead and trigger the press. We won't play that badly for a whole hour again this season, and our lack of goal threat was baffling. Well, I, I, hope I agree about Mount, as we all do, uh, and I hope we explain why we thought uh, our attack was non-existent. Um, Thomas Tuchel may be presented with a dilemma very soon in the shape of Ruben Loftus-Cheek. He uh, warm, It warmed my heart to see Ruben come on, uh, and for the first time he touches the ball, he leaves a City player face down on the turf. With so many similar players in our midfield setup, he can hopefully be a difference maker. We all know the attributes he possesses. I, for one, still think he can be a very valuable option as the season progresses anyway. We've had a fairly tough start to the season. Now we have two months of, by our standard, very winnable games. So hopefully we can relax a bit and the Champions of Europe can put a bit of distance between ourselves and the rest of the league. Keep up the good work and thanks for everything you do. From Earthquake Ravaged Melbourne, Andrew Bailey, a.k.a. Little Gaffer because of course he's he's Gary Garfield Bailey's brother younger brother um mate love well i think we we've already said most of the points you made and so therefore clearly we agree with everything you said as we often do um mate i had no idea excuse me people uh, earthquake in melbourne what's going on here i didn't know about that
1: used to me as well yeah
2: they're they're all mate, draw- yeah they're all no
1: no no fuel here earthquakes in melbourne what the fuck's yeah, going on the
2: apocalypse mate uh, well, mate, I, I had no idea. Anybody that we know down under, I'm sorry to hear that, and I hope you're all well, clearly, obviously. But uh, our thoughts are with you all, and particularly you, Andrew. Always lovely to hear from you, mate. Right, it is, it is that time. It is time for the Fannies this week, and uh, the nominations were for Man of the Match. They were Mendy, Silva, and Christensen,
0: right? You should have
2: a sting, kid, shouldn't you? I think you should. you should create one.
0: Oh, I shall. You've got, the, you've
2: got the means. I have. You've got the voice. I have. And you've got the fucked up shit in your head to make it brilliant.
0: Always the fucked up shit.
2: It's the key to comedy, mate. The comedian told me that once, and he would know. Uh, okay, so there we go. You're going to get a sting for the fannies from dear old JK. Anyway, the nominations for Man of the Match were Mendy, Silver, Christensen. Uh, Jonathan, who would have you voted for? Mondy. Mondi. Dan? Mondi. Mondi. Martin?
1: Yeah, I'll as well, well.
2: I actually went for Mondi too, as, as did most of the other people. He won with seventy two percent on Twitter. Uh, Silver got ten percent. Christensen got eight percent. Eighteen percent, sorry. So that's uh, uh, a bit of a shoe in that one. Now, the next one was for the celery moment, which, as we all know, is a bit esoteric. Uh, uh, these, of course, are as you know by now. If you're in our Discord group, which, if you you know signed up to Patreon or if you're in the Premier League predictions, Premier Predictions League. Uh, then you get to be on our Discord group. So they actually put these all in and nominate things that they see in the match. And I have to say, they're brilliant at doing that, and I love them for it because it doesn't make my life a lot simpler. Uh, but this week, two of theirs and one of mine, okay? So Aspie knocking Reese over. They That that made them laugh. Uh, Christensen hugging Kevin De Bruyne. If you kind of remember, he kind of hugged him and then like put his hands up so the referee... Didn't notice, but the referee did notice, actually. I think he might have booked him, actually. And the last one is I was very enamoured of the proper chelsea of the Pride of London, new Pride of London banner, with two gold stars, indicating uh, we have won it twice, just to piss off City a little bit more. Uh, I loved that. Um, But what do I know? Uh, Actually, this was really close, Okay, So in third place, Pride of London, 30%. Christensen... 32% 32% and Aspie knocking Reese over 38%. So, JK, what would you have gone for? Pride of London
0: banner. Pride of London
2: banner. Like what Love I did. It. Like what I did. Because we're yeah. proper, mate. That's why. proper. Dan? Uh, banner as well. Yes. Martin?
1: Banner because I wasn't aware of the other two.
2: <laughs> well, that was, that, it's okay. It still counts, Martin. So, there we go. Well, you know what we thought, but we obviously would have lost. Now, the last one, of course, is the Guinness moment. And for this one, these are the moments that made people feel sexual. And again, there's a bit of—I've chucked one in, and they, they did two. Silver's goal-line clearance, which was absolutely brilliant. Uh, Ruben's run that I mentioned earlier, where he just kept on going, and a, a City player tried to chop him down, and he kind of hurdled over him, and it was—it made me feel very aroused. Uh, but I also—I did actually spot this at the time. But Rubenson, did, uh, Rubenson, Ruben did this flick to Christensen. We kind of like backheeled it in a kind of peculiar way and it was again a moment of uh huge sexual arousal for me so there we go uh jonathan what would you have gone for
0: um i actually thought that silver's goal line clearance was the uh the great moment where i almost came
2: mm. as long as it was almost yeah yeah that would have be different from a-, a guinness moment if it. Happened. i went oh ho, 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 ho. not now not now. Think of Arsenal. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Martin, what, what would you have gone for?
1: Uh, Ruben's run, and I'm keeping the levels of tumescence to myself. Good.
2: Uh, that's quite. That's how I prefer it. And Dan? Uh, silver. It was just brilliant. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I went for Ruben's run because I, I just really did feel very aroused when I saw that. But uh, 12% went for his flick to Christensen. 36% went for his run. And 52% went for Silver's goal line clearance. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so well done, Uh, Well done, everybody who voted. Always enjoy doing that. Well done to the Discord people for putting the nominations in. And there'll be more fannies next Monday for the Southampton match. So there you go. And maybe, maybe a sting for Jonathan, from Jonathan. Not the live show, but the edited podcast, that's for sure. Right. Uh, After this very short break, we are going to be previewing uh, Wednesday night's match, which, of course, is Juventus uh, Juventus versus Chelsea, because we are, in fact, away. Anyway, we'll see you in a sec.
1: fans real opinions i'm
3: jason cundy and you're listening to the chelsea football fancast up the chelsea
0: football fancast.com
2: welcome back this is the chelsea fancast i'm stanford chidge with the uh, wonderful uh, mr jonathan kidd Boop. and dan silber Hello. And Martin Wickham. Buongiorno. Who's doing very well uh, because he's got a stinking cold, poor old
1: Martin. Yeah, and half my lungs are about to fly out my mouth.
2: (laughs) So I really feel sorry for you, mate. It's not not good. Anyway, we've got Juventus uh, on uh, Wednesday. Now, you would probably normally be going, wouldn't you, Martin?
1: Uh, Normally I would, but my work situation is absolutely slammed. So even without COVID, it would have been unlikely, Um, which is a bit of a disappointment, but it is what it is.
2: It's, um, there's a few people, I mean, we haven't, what's the, what's the situation? Are we allowed out there or what? I think,
1: excuse me, I think we are. I mean, I've certainly yeah. seen uh, Ramsey and one or two others filling in the relevant details and tweeting about what you needed to do, mm. but I don't know. I don't know if the number of hoops would make it prohibitive financially to do it. I don't know if you need to test there, test back or that bollocks we have to go through in Porto. I don't know if that's relaxed a little bit, but, and there's also the question of allocation.
2: Yeah. Which is not a lot, is it?
1: No, because Italy isn't back to full capacity in their stadiums yet. Yeah.
2: So there we go. Fair play for those of you who are making it out there and stay safe. Obviously. I mean, it's a shame because I mean, under normal times, this would have been a real must go to match. And I think a lot of us would have gone out there, but uh, there you go. Um, Okay, let's let's. Uh, there's a lot to talk about actually with this because I've done some homework for a change. But it's a big match this, and it's a you know there's a lot to be said. Uh, let's start with the team selection first. Uh, as you all know, I've gone for what I would call because I, I think I think Tuchel will, will go. Mm, this is a tough game possibly, so I need to put my strongest team out. Which I think, taking account of who's fit and who's not, I would say is Mondi, uh, Rudiger, Silva, Christiansen. Uh, I think Alonso will still get the nod, actually. Uh, I think if they're both fit, and there's there's an if there, but I think they will be, Jorginho and Kante and Aspilicueta. So I think he'll go 3-4-2-1, basically, not Uh, 3-5-2. obviously will play right wing back because James is injured. We know he'll be out. Uh, It looks like Mount will be touch and go, but if he is fit, I think he'll play Mount. Uh, I actually think he might play Werner. I really do. I've got a hunch, not not habits. Pulisic,
0: his Pulisic training. He said he was training. I,
2: I, no, from from what I understand, he's. I don't think he's fit yet. Okay. No. The, what, I'm, what I'm hearing is that he's not fit yet, and Lukaku up top. But I think this side's going to depend a lot more on who's actually fit rather than anything else. What do you think, J.K.?
0: Um, I think you're absolutely correct. I think you'll play Silva because he only played. Um, he didn't play the whole game. Um, because this big thing about him only playing you um, can't play two games in a week, but I think he played half a game, so he'll play. Um, Christensen's playing out of his skin, Rudigal playing out of his skin. Um, I think he'll play Dave uh on the right, as you've put. I think he he wants to play Kante because um he's the cement. Uh I think he will play Jorginho instead of Kovacic, you're right. I think he'll play Alonso, because as I said, um uh Chilwell didn't play hugely well against Villa. Um And Alonso, despite his um, stuttering performance against City, who because he was having to play so far back all the time, I think um, gets it just because of his uh, his abilities on the ball in the uh, and coming up to the penalty area. And I would um, mount obviously plays and Lukaku obviously plays. uh, And I'm trying to work out who would play instead of Werner. Um, What's the option? Zayich,
2: Havertz.
0: Uh, Havertz. I think he'll play Havertz instead of Verna.
2: Yeah, Dan.
0: Uh, I think he'll play Chilwell instead of
3: Alonso, and I think he'll uh, rest for the team I agree with.
2: I think. I think there's a big case uh, for for playing people with pace, given that uh, Bonucci and yourself, Dan, will be playing yeah. for Juventus. You know, yeah.
3: they've got a few. Also, Go on. also, they're missing DiBALO, which is good for us as well. Yeah.
2: yeah I was going to say, actually, you know. Because, I mean, the, the the latest info I've got is that Pulisic is definitely out. Mount's doubtful. James, I think, more than doubtful. I'd say he's out. And Jorginho is doubtful. But I think we also know that Silva and Conte are carrying knocks. But you're right. Um, missing for Juventus are Jorge, Arthur, and most importantly, uh, Dybala. And Maratta actually. Maratta and Dybala are both out. And Rabio possibly. Uh, so that, yeah they 've got some real problems but but Balla is i mean i i I found all these fantastic um bits of info on betting sites would you believe <laughs> betting sites get their finger out and put their previews up properly but uh they're all of the opinion that uh that that Juventus missing Dybala is an almighty blow to them um <laughs> because he's 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 been playing well for them, obviously, but I mean the the view from the bookies is that not having Dybala playing actually really tips the odds in Chelsea's favor on a lot of things that I've been reading, so that's a big blow to them um the other thing of course is that Maratta we've got a couple of old boys there, Maratta, and of course Quadrado, who's now a defender, apparently oh wow. <laughs> yeah,
1: he's played a full but yeah. he's played a fullback there for a number of years, yeah he
2: has and done all right, I think, but uh, so we've got yeah. two Chelsea old boys there, but Maratta won't be playing. I'm not sure if that's a good thing or not, J.K. <laughs>
0: uh, he'd probably score against us if he was playing, wouldn't he? That seems to be sort of inevitable, really.
2: Well, I've got the ultimate, ultimate uh, quiz question uh, here, if I can bloody find it. About Murata. Here we go. Alvaro Maratta, who has scored twenty, who scored twenty-four goals and seventy-two appearances for Chelsea in all competitions has scored three goals in four UEFA Champions League appearances against the reigning champions, netting twice against Real Madrid in 2014-15 and once against Liverpool in 2019-20. Only one player has scored against the holders in three different seasons, Didier Drogba in 2004-05 versus Porto, 6-7 and 11-12 against Barcelona. Now, um, that, that needs to be also tallied with uh, another stat featuring Didier Drogba, which is if Romelu Lukaku scores on his debut, well, he scored on his debut for Chelsea in the Champions League and Man United. He's only the second player to score in his first appearance in the competition of two English clubs after Mario Balotelli for Man City and Liverpool. The only two players to score in their first two Champions League games for Chelsea are Didier Drogba and quiz ma- quiz uh, legend Martin Wickham. And I know you've got the answer, so I suppose you have to. This will be
1: halfway, halfway down the street. Did you did it? you read <laughs> the
2: notes or not? This is when I find out.
1: I skimmed them. I didn't read them. Okay, <laughs> Do you know or not? No, nah, I've got a clue. Mitchy fucking eye. Oh for
2: fuck. Who sake. would have? Th- that is a great quiz quiz question, isn't it? That's
1: a wind up. <laughs> it's true.
2: They're not lying. So I mean, you know, I think actually that that bodes well for us that that Morata's not playing, because I agree with Jonathan, because I think that he would he would obviously score against us, as all old boys do. Um, and, uh, well, Quadrado's a worry, but he's more of a defender. But I think those injuries, Morata, Dybala and Rabio, are a problem for them, which means, I think, they're going to have to play uh, Dejan Kulusevski, who I have no idea who he is, and uh, and Moyes Keane, who, of course, we do know who he is. who kind of didn't really do anything for Everton when he turned up. So, uh, I think... It kind of really, to me, reads advantage Chelsea. However, 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 Juventus have got a decent team, boys. Benucci and Chiellini, arguably the two best centre-backs in the world, even if they are a bit old. Chiesa, who impressed the shit out of me when he played for Italy in the European Championships. Rabio, if he's fit, another good player. Uh, Don't discount Aaron Ramsey. I mean, I know he used to play for Arsenal, but he's a decent player. But more worrying, Locatelli, uh, who was arguably one of the best midfielders in the in the competition with uh, our boy Jorginho. Uh, De Ligt is playing in defence, and apparently we're after him. He's a good player. And, and we're
0: after Chiesa as well, though. Yeah, I've
2: heard, the... heard we've been after Chiesa. I like Chiesa. He works his bollocks off as a forward. He really does, like that. He does, yeah. he does. Uh, and, of course, whilst we might all laugh because they've got Sechesny, Sechesny in goal, and he used to get absolutely wallop. I mean, actually, there's another great stat I've got for you on Sir Chesney in a minute. But obviously, he used to be Arsenal's goalie. But you know, I, they have a habit of coming and biting us on the on the arse, don't they? Um, and, and while you, oh, here we go. Right, this is a great stat. Juventus goalkeeper Sir Chesney has kept a clean sheet in both of his home matches against Chelsea in all competitions, both with Arsenal in 2012 and 13. Though in his other four games against Chelsea. He conceded thirteen goals. <laughs>
1: <So> <laughs> this, is what, this is so what we, we want. So if we play Juventus the second time round, we'll absolutely thump them.
2: Yeah, but that's the thing, isn't it? Will we? Because I, I, you know, I think this is a this is a tough match, actually. Period, injuries notwithstanding, and we've got a horrible record in Italy in the Champions League. I forgot about this, but we've only won once out of seven matches. We won one, drawn one, and lost five. So you know we've got a pretty ropey uh, record uh, in uh, in Italy, and I think just reminding myself, we've lost to Juve. I mean, last time we played Juve, of course, was when Robbie Di Matteo got sacked after we got humped three 0 We lost to Inter, didn't we? When Mourinho was the manager.
1: The only the only team we beat was Lazio.
2: Yes, and that was 4-0. a long time ago. Yeah. two thousand under four 0 Frank Frank scored, didn't he? And Ida. Damien, Damien Duff. Yeah, yeah, it's a good match that. Yeah. But uh, we lost to Roma, and we lost to Napoli. So we've got a pretty ropey record over in Italy, and that is what is worrying me. In spite of all of the evidence that's coming my way saying we'll do all right, and and in fact one of the places that I I looked at predicted that. Uh, well, actually, I should tell you what they said. They actually they actually wrote a prediction, and they said. Juventus made it back-to-back league uh, uh, made it back-to-back league wins on Sunday following up their 3-2 win at Spezia in midweek with a 3-2 victory over Sampdoria but the success came at a cost as Paolo Dybala was forced off in the first half. The Argentines' potential absence on Wednesday is a huge blow. Chelsea's unbeaten league start to the season drew to a close on Saturday. They lost 1-0 to Man City. This will be the first time the Blues take on the old lady since uh, 2012 when they lost 3-0 to Turin. In Turin sorry. Given Juventus's poor start to the campaign, though, Chelsea should have what it takes to bounce back from Saturday's disappointment, and they reckon 2-1. But I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure, JK. What do you think?
0: uh no no i'm worried i'm worried we might not make it out of the group stage
2: wow come on seriously
0: no i i just wanted to say that to wind you up you
2: didn't it worked almost
0: yeah it almost worked yeah yeah um yeah i think it might i think a draw is the more likely result for me you reckon a draw Mm. hmm
2: yeah I, i have to be honest i'm going that way too actually what about you dan how do you see it going
3: I think a draw. I think I we might see a very similar setup to the um, the city game, possibly because I think you know if you get a, a draw away, the way the hardest away game will be a decent point, and then we've got the back to backs with Malmo, which puts in a very strong position getting the last two games. So it should, should be you know a draw won't be the worst result.
2: Yeah, I mean Martin, I'm 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 thinking a draw. I'll, I'll be honest with you, but I tell you what, you know. Um, it'll be interesting won't it because you know last season what we did really really well was not only keeping it tight but by hitting teams on the break i mean real madrid the way we played against them scared and knocked the shit out of them so i wouldn't be surprised bless you i wouldn't be surprised if, if 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 he decided to go the other way and try and get a win out there but i my guts are telling me a draw
1: yeah i think it'll be the most likely outcome to be honest with you um they Kulusevski is actually a reasonably decent player as well, so I wouldn't I wouldn't take him too lightly if he does come in. Um, yeah, just get the point. I think we can beat them at Stamford Bridge. I don't have any worries about that, and um, get get the results we need against Malmo and Zenit.
2: Yes, indeed. And the
1: the key, the key is not to follow up the loss on Saturday with a poor performance tomorrow night or Wednesday night, excuse me. Mm so not to have a a bad result followed by a bad performance so we do need a reaction.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean we've got you we've got Lukaku playing and he's he's scored against uh Juventus when he was playing in the uh, the certain Serie A for Inter. So last time out. So maybe I don't know, it's hard to say, isn't it, JK, but they might go for it and try and get a win, but I do I do think a draw's the most likely. So I'm going 1-1, you're going 1-1. Yeah. Dan, 1-1. 0-0. No, 0-0. No. Nil, nil. There we yeah. go. I'll, I'll go i'll go out to the pub then if it's going to be a nil <laughs> yeah uh martin one, one. One all. yeah one oh yeah there we go so it'll be interesting to see if that in fact pans out i mean either way it, you know for me i think this is the real shame actually that um that we can't go out there because as i said this is one of the matches you really want to be at and the events are a proper proper old uh, european team so this is a massive massive match in that respect and uh i 'm um, not sure i 'm able to go for the home home leg, which is really disappointing, but uh, there we go. What can you do right I think we 're done. We are done for tonight, and we 're almost on time. Hallelujah. How utterly unusual that is uh, but do not fear people or you may be delighted i don 't know, but we will be back uh on friday me j k and Clayton Beerman in the house uh, for the preview show previewing the match against southampton uh zoom uh w- working God willing. Uh, but we'll also be looking back at the uh, the match against Juventus on Wednesday, so we're we'll having a chat about that too. Uh, don't forget to check out Dean uh, Mears' Went to Mo Kings Meadow podcast on the Chelsea Women's team, which went up today. The review of the brilliant six-one thumping of Man United, and that is Dean Mears and Dame Whittle of this parish as well. So there we go. Uh, and uh, of course, they and us we're both available on uh, ChelseaFanCast.com, Acast, Apple, SoundCloud, Spotify, and other distributors of podcasts as well and you heard me mentioning patreon earlier um if you uh want to if you like what we do um then you can become a patron and that helps us cover the uh, cost of running all the shows that we do and hopefully continue doing that and of course if you do do that you get a kerry dixon mini banner and uh, you can join our discord group there's no pressure I, I love you all whether you join up or not it's really not an issue but if you do it's lovely that you do uh, and there's no pressure to donate lots it can be a quid here or whatever i don't mind um and there we go it's easy to do patreon.com forward slash chelsea fancast so there you go and of course we love getting your emails as you know um we see it as a as a service as we did for donal to uh f- provide a space for him to vent his spleen and to feel cathartic afterwards so uh we we love to read them out send them to chelsea fancast at gmail.com and get them in by sunday otherwise you, you'll miss the cut and of course you can always get hold of us on patreon instagram uh Twitter, you name it, will uh, will respond. So there you go. Now you can follow the show on Twitter at Chelsea Fancast, me at Stanford Chidge, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd, uh Dan at DanSilves seventy three and Martin at Martin underscore Wickham. And of course we are at Chelsea Fancast. So there you go. Martin, uh, you've done brilliantly tonight to survive the show and I'm I'm mightily impressed with that. Well done.
1: Uh, cheers, mate, still breathing.
2: Get some whiskey and honey and lemon down your noodle, and uh, you will feel better. I promise you.
1: Yeah, I promise. I need to get up at four six in the morning. So maybe not a good <laughs> idea then. Yeah,
2: <laughs> go and get some rest because you sound like you need it. I hope you feel better soon, mate. But it's lovely yes, to see should, you always, you should, is. mate. Yeah, uh, Dan. As for you, yes, great. Well, great to see you both on Sunday and JK, in fact, on Sunday, but also lovely to see you back on here, as always. Yes,
3: yeah, well, good to be back. It's good fun. Yeah, mm.
2: On to the next one. Absolutely right. I uh, hope they can pull it out of the bag on Wednesday. I'm sure they can. JK, um, there'll be no <laughs> fan bite from you on Wednesday, sadly. So. Uh,
0: um, Where are you going? No, but I can do one from the comfort of my armchair.
2: I think you should do it in the style of Roly Barking.
0: Rolly Burkin, he's who? Rolly never,
1: never Rolly, it? Rolly Birkin.
2: Birkin. The uh, Fast Show
0: No, I don't uh Google it. Yes. I'd I I yes, You have to yes.
2: sit in a big leather armchair and
0: and uh is he the one who spoke like that? Was it all A
1: little then? bit like yeah. this. Uh, he's
0: that I one oh, yes. He's that one, wasn't he? It's all right. I'll they do that. to
1: death by monkey. I'll do that. I'll do that
0: then. Okay. Very, very, yes. very, very. Well, no, there will be a fan by bite. It will be a fan bite. It'll be from the um. All right. it'll be from watching the telly.
2: OK. Well, I look forward to that. That's a bonus. Didn't expect that at all. Anyway, mate, good to see you. Lovely to see you on uh, Saturday, of course. And uh, you and I will reconvene on Friday. Friday.
0: Friday, zoom zoom willing. Yeah.
2: Well I think if that happens again we go immediately to uh to Skype. Although I couldn't even get into well, I don't know why that was complicated, but anyway. We'll do that next time if that's our plan B. I'll
0: read the print. All it's right.
2: This. Lovely. Well look, good to see you boys. Absolutely brilliant to see everybody in uh, in Mixler as always. You're all top people. Very, very lovely to see you as always. And uh thanks for listening. See you next Friday. Until then, keep it blue, keep it careful, and keep it chills. O que é